Blog Talk Radio. Psilocybin. Go slowly, go slower, no need to 
I'm not going to try to tell this whole story by myself. I normally got me somebody riding shotgun with me. I have an amazing, and amazing guest tonight that's going to come on, Baba Kalende. I'm going to bring him in with a crazy introduction tonight is what he is deserving. But I got to bring in one of my homies first who has uh, been my compadre on a spiritual journey for quite a few years. Um, crazy way we even met and came in contact with one another and the vibes that we have and uh, the building sessions and ciphers is totally amazing. I'm going to go ahead and open up the mic real quick for my man, Fire Water. Yeah, peace, peace, peace. Love, peace, and happiness, wholeness, and fullness. Pleasure. It's a pleasure and an honor. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother, for coming through tonight and uh, helping me make sure I got this thing harmonized right here. We got some... We got some we got some heavy hitters coming through tonight, and I didn't know if I could handle it by myself. I was gonna give it my best shot, but um, after after more sequence of events and um, speaking with you last week, I was like, bro, you are gonna have to come in and help me out on this one tonight. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, it, it should be exciting. You know, we, the heavyweight, the OG Triple OG is on the mic, so we might not have to do too much talking. We might not have to do too much talking. He probably got the whole thing by himself. Hey man, with well, hey, that's wonderful, and I'm glad because I'm optimistic, just like you optimistic. Um, I ain't gonna hold up the floor. I'm getting ready to throw the spotlights on. I need everybody to get up out their seats, get on their feet for a master teacher, master student of the multiverse, um, world traveler. Uh, I call him a spiritual engineer. I call him a trailblazer. And as you said, Triple OG, one of the foremost minds in, I would say, the entire psychedelic field and realm of expanding consciousness and what I call, like to call DNA explosions. I want everybody to get on their feet and put their hands together for Baba Kalende, i.e. of the Tamarind Institute. Peace, everyone. Baba Kalinda, how you feeling this evening? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. Can you hear me okay? Man, you're coming through loud and clear. You're coming through loud and clear like about forty five grams. Coming through loud and clear. Good. Good, good. <laughs> uh got a little throat thing happening, so if I cough, uh please excuse me, audience. Uh I try, I try to, to duck away for a second, but I got a little cough so uh, trying to get that out of the way, so hopefully everything will run smoothly. I'm I'm feeling super confident about it. Um, I want to start in, even though we're going to talk about tonight the story of the magic mushrooms, and everybody who's listening, this is part one, because my audience, I'm not sure how much of a background in fundamental or fundamental background my audience has in magic mushrooms because I know this is the first time in nine years of me um, hosting shows. I've talked uh, on, on this show, we talk Tantra, uh, spirituality, sexuality, relationships, God consciousness, food science, and now here you are, you know, um, start kicking off the new year. And as I was saying in the introduction, it's kind of like a sequence of events. Because I was, I think if somebody knows you, they know the representative of the mushrooms, but they maybe not don't know that they know what they, you know, what they know. And 
as I told you, I think last year, I came in contact with you through my martial arts study at Shindao Energy Arts with Grandmaster Senyata Saraswati in North Carolina, and he introduced us to the African martial arts. And when I saw the video, I was just like, man, like those exercises themselves put me, you know, just in that whole circle of power. It just like redefined my life, that series of exercises and that concept of being social and the incorporation of Tai Chi and meditation and Lee Kung Jing and different types of energy work. And little did I know, at the base of it was the mushrooms. I had no idea. I had no idea whether it was naivety or whatever. And um, when I finally got a chance to talk to you last year, I was just, you know, wanted to just say how much I had been in appreciation of you for being a part of changing my life. And, you know, at that at that time, I still was unaware of your relationship with the magic mushrooms and the psychedelic community. And I thought, hey, well, that's it. You know, the brother helped me, he introduced me. Uh, his work, his body of work through the through the martial arts has reached me and countless others who I have shared it with and my other fellow students have shared it with. And I was just like, man, this is this is just lovely. And then I come back around and your name started coming up in circles about the magic mushroom. I said, wait a minute. And so, you know, I had to start doing more research and start digging. And you said all of the martial arts came from the psilocybin. But before we get to the martial art area, I just would like for you to, you know, kind of like introduce yourself just a little bit. You ain't got to go too far because I got a nice series of alley-oop, slow-pitch softball questions for you this evening that I think is going to help my audience and your audience go on a real fantastic voyage tonight. So thank you for coming on the show tonight, and please introduce yourself uh, to my my family, Mikasa Sukasa. Well, um, my name is uh, Kalinda Igi. My title is Ahati. I am a, a old martial artist, <laughs> meaning that the form that I practice and uh, myself <laughs> physically is <laughs> being old. Um, I teach ancient, old, and contemporary African fighting sciences and that's my vocation. That's what I do. Um, inside of that, there is a entheogenic or psychedelic or hallucinogenic component of which all ancient and traditional martial arts utilized. Uh, most of the martial arts that we see today are not ancient martial arts. They are modern martial arts, and they don't have that sensibility of the utilization of the the power plants in warriorship. If some people have uh, read or been familiar with uh, the Yaqui way of knowledge or the works of Carlos Castaneda in dealing with Don Juan, uh, a separate reality and things like that, it's in its higher levels, much of things like that. In other words, uh, what you would call sorcery, alchemy and the like. So, 
when I talk martial arts and when we talk about the higher levels of martial arts, we're talking about entheogenic training or training on uh, a different level of consciousness at a heightened level of consciousness utilizing the ancient power technologies that we gleaned from prior times. In other words, there have been seven major uh, cataclysms that have destroyed <laughs> uh, the earth and brought human beings to a very low level as far as numbers are concerned, and several that basically uh, took humans out altogether. And uh, we have only a few relics le- left from the times when uh, before the before the last flood, which would be uh, called the the Younger Dryas. So we have uh, Gobekli Tepe, which is in Turkey, and we have the Great Pyramids uh, on the Giza Plateau, along with the the Sphinx and pyramid complex there. Uh, we have certain cultures that have retained pre-flood knowledge and information and relics, uh, which are things like uh, uh, in the Congo and in Australia. Now, uh, as far as these being repositories of knowledge and information, these are restarted cultures. In other words, they're not the seminal original cultures that were there or civilizations that were there. These are the restarted cultures that happened after the last flood, which decimated uh, not only the earth, but also um, uh, human beings on earth. Uh, at about the time that uh, Atlantis sunk, and if anybody wants to get into whether it was Atlantis or wasn't Atlantis and things like that, we can get into it later on. But uh, that's basically where my background comes from. I've been uh, utilizing the entheogenic plants for uh, getting close to 50 years now. Um, so, you know, I have experience in these things, uh, have went crazy. Uh, no more crazier than I was before I took my first trip um, <laughs> by the utilization of uh, these compounds for, you know, 47, 48, 49 years, whatever it's been by now. Um, so, you know, I'm here ready to answer the questions and go into what people would like to hear. Are we going to have a question and answer period later on, or are we just going to keep oh, rolling? Um, oh, no, we're going to have – okay, so – my audience is is some people have told me that they're like one of the most intelligent audiences. So the the call lines are open right now. So at any moment, if anybody has a question and they're listening in, all they have to do is press one. Um, but probably I like to reserve that. Yeah. Let us. I'm gonna warm it up for maybe like 45 minutes. But after that, that's um, good. I'm yeah, known that's to. I'm known to have a I'm known to have a nice after party. That's what I call it. You know, we can. You never know who may show up in here this evening. So the call in number, if you listen online, is nine one seven eight eight nine three eight zero three, and we also have a chat room that's open as well. If you're listening to us online, if you have some questions that you'd like for me to pass on to Baba during the conversation, you can uh, just drop it in the chat room. Please don't send me any Facebook messages. I'm not over there looking at that right now. I'm trying to concentrate. 
Um, but yes, that's that's kind of how we roll. And I want to start off with the first question: is take me all the way back forty some years. You know, you relaxing and maxing, and all of a sudden somebody said, "Let's take a trip or try this mushroom." I want to hear about that story first. How did they call you? Because I've had teachers say you don't pick the you don't pick the science, the science picks you. So can you tell me about your first encounter and how you got started with this relationship? Well, uh, um, uh, on the next street from my uh, uh, from my girlfriend at the time, her best friend's brother, uh, who was a couple of years older than me, but several years older than them. Uh, had went to Oaxaca in Mexico to experience the what they called at the time the food of the gods, where a man by the name of Gordon Wasson in 1956 went to Oaxaca and experienced the magic mushrooms that he got from a curandero by the name of Maria Sabina, who was a uh, woman who had what was called the latest, which were magic mushroom ceremonies at her home in Oaxaca in Mexico. So he went there in 1970, uh, him and another friend. They came back. Um, well, he came back, and he brought uh, some of the magic mushrooms, the food of the gods, with him. And we were there at the house talking and, you know, going over things, you know, uh, that really weren't prominent in uh, the black community at the time, you know, such as vegetarianism and uh, things like uh, dealing with uh, different healing modalities, martial arts, things like that. And uh, he said, you know, let's try it. Let's go to the backyard and try this. So we went into the backyard. Uh, we tried it. It wasn't a, a real big dose, but um, – it showed me a separate reality. In other words, the tree that was in the backyard was a rather, rather large tree. And you know how, um, I can't think of the what they call it exactly, but, you know, you can look at the clouds and maybe the cloud looks like a horse, or you can look at the cloud and maybe the cloud looks like a duck, or you could look at a tree and maybe the tree you know, if you look at it kind of sideways, it has a. It looks kind of looks like a face. Or you can pick out things from things that aren't necessarily those things, as far as different things that our brain puts together, as far as patterns are concerned. So mm-hmm. while looking at this tree, the bark started to become animate, moving, and a face came on the tree, kind of like the trees in the the old 1939 Wizard of Oz. Um, the tree uh, had a face on it, and the face started to move, and eventually it started to talk. And so I was engrossed in this tree talking to me, and I'm like, how in the heck is a tree talking? So there must be more to this reality thing than is projected to us in the regular three-dimensional five-sense reality of which we're stuck in most of the time. Um, So that kind of set me on the journey with magic mushrooms. I mean, I had some acid prior to that, but this was a little different because the acid trip was 
basically patterns and movement and geometric and vivid colors. This was a little more content-driven in the natural realm and the natural world and things like that. And over those years that, um, you know, I've been uh, traveling, you know, the rabbit hole just gets uh, deeper and deeper. There's no end to it. It moves into hyperdimensionality, into the structures of the universe. It goes into things like nanotech and femtotech, zepotech. Uh, it goes into uh, below the Planck length, into the infraparticles, into quantum mechanics, into artificial intelligence, into simulation theory of the universe, into the multiple universal uh, theories and things like that that turn out not to just be theories but to be actualities, but you have to subjectively take the bioassay to be able to do that. So that kind of started me off on the journey of the magic mushroom. Hmm. Okay. Um, that's super interesting. Uh, quite, quite like my experience. I'm going to ask you this question. I don't know if anybody asked you. My first experience on mushroom, the first word out of my mouth, because I was like enjoying myself, was wow. Did you have a wow moment? I said, I said, wow. And then I started laughing. I was like, wow. I was like, this. You know how it was like when the when the um, Black Panther was flying into Wakanda and it looked like regular jungle, and then all of a sudden it opened up and you saw a whole nother city. I was like, yep. wow! And I probably just kept saying, wow. Whoever was around me probably was like, oh shucks, there he goes. And I that's all I could say for like ten minutes was like, wow, like this space, and it was and it was real. It was like. I know that was one of the themes of my first night. Well, this is my reality. You know, I wasn't trying to figure it out. I just, like, laid into it. So did you, like, is, is, that, kind of, is that kind of normal or you had one of those, or that's rare, or you had one of those experiences, too, where you was like, this tree, wow. Well, I don't know if I said wow, but my brain was was definitely saying wow because this was this was something different. This was what they told us was impossible. This is what they told us when you were a child and you said you had a uh, imaginary friend or a you know, something like that. They said, you know, fool, it ain't no such thing as that. It ain't no such thing as this. It ain't no such thing as that. It ain't no real magic. That's just a movie. Those type of things uh, people would say. But to come to your adulthood, and find out that these things are real, these things are something that you can experience and something that you can gather knowledge, uh, wisdom, and information from. So, um, yeah, I had a wild, I've had many wild moments. <laughs> okay, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm lead up to that too. Now, a lot of people, when they hear about, mushrooms and psychedelics they often say well what's the difference between a psychedelic mushroom that you can have experiences with and a mushroom that you would order on your pizza from your favorite restaurant what's the and what's the difference between the poisonous mushrooms 
Can you give me some information on that, please? And and maybe this may be a good time to start going back into the history of mushrooms or the family of mushrooms and, and like, help help me out right there, please. Well, um, uh, the hallucinogenic mushrooms have uh, different chemical constituents inside of it which affect the the mind and the, the brain and those mushrooms that you eat you know, your portobellos and your button mushrooms and shiitake and things like that have a, a other chemical constituents in it that don't affect the brain in that way. Uh, these mushrooms are sentient, they are conscious, and they're they're not from they're not from this earth. They are not only um, extra dimensional, they're hyperdimensional, ultra dimensional, and uh, they not only move. Transdimensionally, they also move through interstellar space into other realms. And it's no different than in the plant kingdom because the mushrooms are part of the fungal kingdom. And uh, it's no different between that and a poisonous plant. You know, you have plants that are poisonous. You know, um, in the summertime, we have Queen Anne's lace. And then, um, you know, it's a, a, a regular. Weed, pest weed, the people call pest weed, it also uh, can be utilized for certain medicines and things like that. But then you have uh, water hemlocks that look just like Queen Anne's lace. So you have poisonous plants and you have plants that are good for health and are good for your body. And it's the same thing with fungi. You have plants, uh, you have fun, uh, you have fungi or mushrooms that are good tasting for eating, like you get it on your pizza, then you have those that you put in your salad and those that you saute with some onions and some uh, green beans and others, broccoli and things like that. Then you have have a a mushroom that is for your mind and spiritual development and transdimensional travel. So um, you just have different uh, family groups inside of the fungal kingdom. Some are good for you. Some are poisonous, you know, but you don't have to worry about, Thing about being poisonous mushrooms, you you go out and you if you're picking mushrooms, number one, the mushrooms that I'm talking about are coprophilic. They grow on cow dung in their natural state, so you, you don't have a lot of uh, mushrooms that are poisonous. Just like cow dung, they are basically grass mushrooms and wood mushrooms and things like that. And these mushrooms are very distinct in their morphology. Um, so you can you know what they look like, and it's just about knowledge and identification and things like that. And most people don't go out picking these mushrooms. Uh, even in the pastures, they grow them at home. There's a worldwide network of people that grow hallucinogenic mushrooms in the comfort of their own home, in their kitchen, in their bedrooms, in their closets, in their basements, in their attics, and they grow their own hallucinogenic trips through. Um, the knowledge of the internet. And when I originally started out, we didn't have the risk, we didn't have the internet, but you did have the library and the Dewey Decimal System where you would go to the stacks and go through the cards and go down in the dusty cellars and find books on mushroom cultivation. Wow. Um, so are mushrooms that pop up in my backyard, are they so? Su- are they safe to consume, or 
what are some of the basic physical characteristics that I'm looking for that's going to let me know this is a uh, magic mushroom or this is just a regular mushroom because I have mushrooms that pop up in my backyard in the springtime for like three weeks and then I don't see them anymore. Are those magic yes, mushrooms? Ma- and how I, I I wouldn't know what would be in your backyard. There are approximately maybe 10 million different mushrooms. Uh, so you never eat an unidentified mushroom. Each state has a um, mushroom foraging group or mycological society where you go and learn which mushrooms are which. The um, indoor cultivated mushroom that you get is a very... Uh, safe, you know, uh, way of doing it so that you don't have to worry about looking at something and finding out the uh, spore color, spore morphology, physical characteristics of the mushrooms and things like that. So, um, no, don't eat the mushrooms in your backyard. Uh, (laughs) That goes for everybody. Uh, All mushrooms should be cooked. Um. And also, as far as mushroom identification is concerned, if you want to be a mushroom forager, you join your um, Georgia Mycological Society or, you know, uh, California Mycological Society, and those people will teach you how to go out foraging in the woods or wherever to find different mushroom uh, species and things like that that would be good for eating or be good for medicine or would be good uh, for your hallucinogenic sojourns into the multiverse. Hmm, okay. Now, when we get near the end, I'm going to ask you the same question again, but I know that you have um, an online grow class that you offer. Can you give people that information if they're interested in that? I think this may be just a good time. We're just going to drop that real quick and then come back into the questions. Well, it's just a workshop, and it gives information on how to grow mushrooms um, uh, of many different types, you know, because it's uh, not necessarily for hallucinogenic mushrooms. It can be used for that if you choose to go into that realm of cultivation. Uh, First of all, we Mm. would like everybody to know that the uh, hallucinogenic mushrooms, uh, the psilocybin mushrooms are are considered Schedule One drug and are illegal in most countries in the world except for, you know, uh, a a few. Uh, Some places they're not criminalized. In other words, uh, you can utilize them without anybody messing with you, but that's not the United States. Uh, England, France, uh, places in Africa and things like that because, uh, you know, it, it changes behavior. It drops barriers, it gives us knowledge and information, makes you think outside of the box. So that's scary to different governments. We do have a on uh, online grow <laughs> workshop that we um, that we have and it's for informational purposes only. You know, if you choose to, to do anything else with it, that's your business. But you can get me at my email which is kalindi at hotmail.com that's Kalindi, K-I-L-I-N-D-I, at hotmail.com. Or you can get me on Facebook Messenger, or you can get me on Instagram. Um, I think that's pretty much it. You can Google my name and get me also. 
Okay. Um, now, you know you done hit on some points, and I have to – I, I got to go there. Um, when I have um, – I have experimented with several illegal drugs since I've been on planet Earth. And, um, you know, listening to the stories about mushrooms and acid, I had never tried um, acid or LSD, and I had never tried mushrooms. And, like, I guess now – my hindsight is listening to uninformed folks. I had made some, I had some very severe prejudices, you know, just like maybe when your parents are like, hey, you shouldn't have sex before this age because this will happen to you, which were all a lie. You know what I'm saying? They were just scaring me, trying to scare me into being responsible. Or, you know, um, I tried, when I was young, I had tried cocaine, but cocaine started off um, at for. Uh, medicinal purposes and then when it started being abused but when i had my experience with mushrooms and i had my wow effect one of the biggest wows was when i touched back down on earth how elated and how good i felt like there was no weed after effects or cocaine after effects or alcohol after effects for something that made me feel this good and i do understand a government is afraid of free thinkers, and when you have a large population of free thinkers, you're going to be in, it's going to be some problems with the establishment trying to keep them under control. But man, why why are they why are they doing that? Why like what kind of problems is this uh, spore causing? And and fear, you know, these all these big powerful governments has got nuclear weapons and lasers and all this other kind of traveling into space, they fear this spore? Can you talk about that for a second? Well, um, as you can see from the disruption that basically came from the knowledge of the mushroom that produced the turbulent 1960s, even though LSD was the flagship uh, Entheogen of the 60s Mushrooms was the initiator um, By putting out an article in 1957 In Life magazine Gordon Watson uh, Talked about the magic mushroom Experience that he had in Oaxaca That sent a drove Of Young white Professionals Psychiatrists, psychologists, others Into Oaxaca To experience this uh, one of them's name was Timothy Leary, um, later Richard Albert, who became Ram Das and others. Then people got into uh, basically LSD because Gordon Watson created a relationship with Albert Hoffman, who was the synthesizer of LSD, because mushrooms, you needed, the, you know, the right grow perimeters and had to be the right temperature and you needed some cows and Nobody knew how to grow it. It came from nature. But LSD, two, you know, uh, not very smart grad students uh, over, a sh over a long weekend could produce a million hits of LSD. So it became something that was uh, disruptive to society. You had then the 1960s, which, you know, 67 was the summer of love, where you turn Wally and Beaver Cleaver into somebody who uh, no longer had the bush cut, you know, penny loafer shoes and things like that. They had uh, blue jays with holism. 
didn't even wear shoes, uh, grew their hair long, said love, peace, in the middle of the Vietnam War. Uh, instead of picking up the gun, they were taking flowers and putting it in the, in the barrels of the gun. Um, in the High Ashbury uh, region, uh, many things that were taboo up until that time, uh, people started to let go of those uh, particular prejudices. And you had then... Uh, Richard Nixon and a uh, pretty bad B actor who uh, wanted to be governor of uh, California, you know, uh, and, you know, he said that if you make me governor, I will get rid of the hippies in Northern California. And so Richard Nixon started the war on drugs. And that's what really started a, a, a terrible mess because, number one, psilocybin, the mushroom, is not a drug. It's a natural fungi of the earth of which there are many thousands and hundreds of thousands of different types of, uh, well, many thousands of different types of mushrooms that grow naturally in the natural world, in the natural environment. So Richard Nixon's war on drugs is what started the assault against the natural entheogens and those things that were societally disruptive in the minds of the military-industrial complex. Um, you know, but most people don't know that uh, prior to the Summer of Love back in 1963, LSD saved, uh, saved the world and the country at least one time. The uh, president of the United States at that time, uh, whose name was John Fitzgerald Kennedy, uh, who beat Richard Nixon in 1960, um, at the time of the Bay of Pigs, his primary mistress, Mary Pinchot Meyer, uh, introduced President John F. Kennedy at that very crucial time prior to that um, Bay of Pigs incident and also the time of what was called the Cuban Missile Crisis introduced John F. Kennedy to LSD. So John F. Kennedy and his principal mistress, Mary Pinchot Meyer, were snorting cocaine, smoking bud, and dropping acid in the Oval Office of the White House in 1963. And his, his, and his, change in consciousness or his augmentation of consciousness in dealing with nuclear proliferation and nuclear um, utilization uh, was, was solidified by his use of LSD and the sensibilities that LSD gave to him not to escalate the war machine of the United States against Russia. So, um, of course, we know that uh, uh, John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas, uh, Davy Plaza, uh, and that was one of the reasons why, because he was dropping <laughs> dropping acid and not pushing forward into the next level of the military-industrial complex, which was uh, the Vietnam War. So he was shot in Dallas and killed. Um, and uh, a little while later, his principal mistress, Mary Pinchot Meyer, 
was who, who many said was the only woman sexy enough to take um, John F. Kennedy from Marilyn Monroe. Uh, if Bobby didn't do that, but she was uh, in Georgetown and was assassinated, double tapped on a, um, a trail in Georgetown uh, next to a river where she was assassinated. Also, you can Google Mary Pinchot Meyer and John F. Kennedy. Uh, it's uh, documented she would get acid from Timothy Leary, take it to the White House, and, you know, they would trip on on many different occasions. And her whole push towards getting the LSD into the White House was to um, be able to get her uh, former deputants from Vassar, uh, these high-class Eastern Seaboard women to turn on the Congress and the House of Representatives with LSD to make the world a more loving and safer place. And that's why Mary Pinchot Meyer uh, was assassinated. Uh, also, that she didn't she didn't agree with the Warren report of why President uh, uh, of the lone assassin and things like that because she was in she was connected from a high class family, but she got double tapped. One to the chest, she bent over, and then he shot her at the top of the head twice to make sure that she didn't talk or anything like that. So that's all part of Americana now dealing with the inculcation of LSD into the White House and into mainstream America. You know, you had the Grateful Dead and the Doors and all those different um, rock bands that came about. But, you know, we had our own psychedelic music also, you know, uh, black people, you know, make George sure Clinton be fun. You know, That's right. fly the family stone. You know, you know who else going to descend in a doggone uh, spaceship before people? They was hard. It was hard enough to get people to watch at that time Star Trek. <laughs> you know, but um, but yes, that's that's part of the that's part of the history. Let's so get to the mystery. Um, Let's let's get to the mystery. I want to get to the mystery too, Bob. Um, I um, so I want to talk about conditioning. I want to talk about uh, consciousness. I want to talk about limited consciousness and expanding consciousness because today, um, you when you speak of in my own personal conversations, um, being a newbie to the community, when I have spoken to people about mushrooms, I mean, it's like I just said the Ku Klux Klan to a black person. It's like, I was like, what What do you mean? Like, let me let, let me at least tell you my story. Oh, no, I'm going to go crazy and da 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 But after I listen to them for a little while and they talk, I think that the releasing of their control and an introduction to a real reality um, is what that they really fear. It's like people are so conditioned to hold on to this very propped up, um, falsified, I don't even want to call it 3D reality, I call it a 2D platform that just even hearing about I may see what's really real and have to confess my truth like, excuse my French, but scares the shit out of people. Where did the mushroom yeah. get all this knowledge from? 
where did he get all this information from? How did it become, as you say, the um, uh, 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 repository of knowledge? How did that happen? Well, it is an access point for the um, Akashic records, uh, which uh, at the end of the 19th century, early 20th century, the Theosophical Society adopted as the Akashic records. What the what the thing is is that um, people are afraid. They've been under a 40, 50 year propaganda campaign, you know, this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs, you know, this is what's been fed to people all of their lives, so they'll drink alcohol, you know, they'll snort cocaine, they'll do some heroin, got into crack and out of crack, um, all of those things that are detrimental to the the mind and spirit and things like that, but the things that are here that came here as an organic technology to be able to expand that consciousness they are uh, afraid of and feared of. The oldest uh, physical records that we have of hallucinogenic use comes from the African continent, uh, from Nigeria, from Algeria, and from South Africa. Um, these are the oldest records that we have. Uh, some, in go- some going back prior to the Younger Dryas uh, impact or the Clovis impact, which is called, which it is called. Um, uh, these records are um, stone cave, uh, cave paintings and carvings that are still there that people can go and see and see what the people were doing thousands and thousands of years ago when they encountered on the gra- on the newly formed grasslands of the African continent, hallucinogenic mushrooms growing on the dung of ungulate animals that were in places like the Sahara at the time where it, where it was still green, where they had rivers and tributaries and streams and creeks and great lakes um, that were formed after the time of the Great Flood. So um, these things are hundreds of thousands, millions of years old in our consciousness. It is one of the things that helped to change the uh, smaller brain size of the early humans into a larger brain size in a very, very short time. Uh, Hallucinogenic mushrooms also... Uh, denser proteins from leaving the canopy rainforest and moving out into the newly formed grasslands um, where they encountered denser forms of protein as opposed to basically fruitarian diets, you know, where they were uh, following the great herds along the grasslands, uh, the early uh, cattle and things like that. So they got denser protein by, you know, uh, hunting and gathering tubers and flowers and fruits and different things and also um, stealing meat between the great predators and uh, between the the time when the predators killed the animals and the scavengers came in. In other words, the lions come in, kill a zebra. Then the hyenas come in uh, after the lions pretty much leave and they get a piece. And in between there and the vultures and all the other, the wild dogs and things like that, man can run in and grab a piece of meat. 
And what happens when you get a denser proteins? You can then, you not that you can then, but then you want to sit down. You know, I, you just had a big steak. You lay down and got to sit down there for a minute so you can say, oh, man, what's that big white light thing that goes across the sky, you know, every day, you know, and then at night, you know, this other light comes up, and sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's, you know, it's like a like the claw of a of a lion, and then it's a claw of a lion on the other side, then it's gone. You know, you have time to, uh, to reflect because you're not always chasing food. Our, you know, uh, animal-like cousins, say the gorilla. The gorilla is 16, 18 hours a day, eating because he has to keep his metabolism, because of the metabolism that he has, he has to eat all the time to keep his weight up because he's of eating, you know, uh, leaves and things like that. You've got to eat a lot of leaves to be 600 pounds and hold on the 600-pound weight. But when you move out of that rainforest environment, out of those trees and stuff like that and move out into the grassland and start eating meat, you get a denser protein so you don't have to eat. You know, you could eat a steak and wait eight hours, you know, uh, before you have to eat again and where you want to find some food and things like that. So this is all part of how it happened. But while following the cattle, as I said earlier, the mushrooms were coprophilic. In other words, they grew on the dung of cattle and ebix and bison and water buffaloes and hippopotamuses and giraffes and all of these different uh, vegetative eating animals, the mushrooms grew on their dung. So in encountering these mushrooms and you're searching for food, um, it, it's very visible. You know, it could be, you know, on a six, eight-inch stalk with the cap on it the size of a, of a saucer or a small dinner plate. So it's very visible to the eye. And a hunting-gathering group, Encountering this is going to try to eat it, and when they ate it, they found out that it gave different um, sophistries as they uh, ate it at different levels. In other words, they ate a little bit of it, and it sharpened your vision. It sharpened the edges. It made the colors more vibrant. You got a longer distance in your vision. So, eating a small bit of it was great for hunting. It was great for fighting. Then you ate a little more, it became an aphrodisiac. In other words, not just an aphrodisiac like um, some of the aphrodisiacs, people say that are aphrodisiacs, which really only cause genital itching. The mushrooms at medium dose is a central nervous system arousal or CNS arousal. And what that means in the, um, in the male is erection. It means uh, antsiness where you can't go to sleep and since you got an erection and can't go to sleep, you're going to find something to use that erection on, which was uh, your girlfriend, wife, or somebody else's wife and girlfriend. Uh, so it's an <laughs> aphrodisiac. But they found out that at higher levels of ingestion of this mushroom, it imparts a mystery, a mystery that when you have leisure and you're, you're laying down because you got a full stomach or you've eaten these mushrooms so you have a full stomach, that it imparts a mystery that is just as much a mystery today as it was 30,000, 50,000, 100,000 years ago. It brings about knowledge and information and novel states of consciousness, exotic creatures, novel creatures, things that aren't in the physical record 
of normal consciousness. And we know this because when we look at the cave paintings, such as um, the Tassili Plateau in Niger, in Algeria, in Africa, they painted on the walls of those caves what they saw. And they would paint giraffes, and they would paint themselves dancing, holding mushrooms with their hands turned into mushrooms. They would paint uh, rhinoceroses, and they would paint different things on the walls of what they saw, but they also painted things that they didn't see in their normal physical environment. They painted what they saw in the environment of the trip in the environment of the ingestion of the mushroom. That's why you have at the Tessili Plateau in Niger thousands of different um, renditions of things that are not in the physical environment. In a time when nobody on earth had a shoe, they paint a picture of somebody with boots on, with pants with a belt, <laughs> with a suit with gloves on it, and a helmet. Now that's not in the national, in the normal environment, you know. So where did they get this from? You don't just walk around and one day say, you know, you painting a naked person. You've been painting naked people all this time for a thousand years on the wall. Your ancestors were painting naked people. Then all of a sudden somebody say, you know what? I'm tired of all these naked people. Let's put some pants and a shirt and some boots on this person. A boot with laces on it. You ain't never seen no boots with laces on it because ain't nobody on earth wearing no shoes. Y'all walking around shoeless. So where did they get this from? That's no different than walking around one day. You ain't got no house. You hunting and gathering. You buy the fire to keep the, to keep warm in the coolest of the evening Nobody on earth got a house And then one day you say Okay, you know what We're going to go 200 miles Down where all these rocks are And we're going to take We're going to build a We're going to make a, ch- a chisel out of copper And a wooden hammer And we're going to take 2,365 blocks And we're going to bring them 170 miles to another plague, a plateau where it's a nice flat rock. We're going to flatten this, the top of the side of this mountain, and we're going to stack 270, 75, 280 million blocks, some of them the size of your front room, weighing close to 100 tons, and we're going to stack them on top of each other, build a pyramid, then cut limestone, cover the pyramid, and... That's what we're going to do, just because we ain't got nothing else to do. And without any precursor of this happening, they just we're just going to make this thing because they were <laughs> tripping. They were under the influence of these entheogenic, psychedelic, hallucinogenic plants where they got the information. People will, will fight because they, you know, we talked about, people talk about Eric Van Danek and Chariots of the Gods. They say that... Uh, Eric Van Daniken said that the spacemen built the pyramids. No, the spacemen didn't build the pyramids. The same people that were in that area thousands and thousands of years ago built the pyramids, but they built it with the hyperdimensional technology and knowledge and information that they got from the mushrooms because the mushrooms had that because every creature inside the dimensionality of this galaxy and beyond into the infraparticle realms and into the macro realms, every creature that ever took the mushroom deposited the information that it had 
into the mushroom, which hyperdimensionalized that into a record hall that is accessible by sojourning with this mushroom. So they got that information on how to do these things from these mushrooms and also from the DMT compendium of which what they call the tree of knowledge or the tree of life, which was the Acacia nilotica, which in its root bark contains the same constituent that is in the mushroom dimethyltryptamine, which is an endogenous and exogenous neurochemical. In other words, exogenous outside of the body, endogenous inside of the body. DMT is what is produced from neuromelanin to be the most powerful psychedelic that there is, and it's contained inside of the psilocybin mushroom. So they got the information on how to build pyramids, tekkens, denben stones, obelisks, temple-style hall temples from the mushroom, how to align with stars that they couldn't even see, like the Dogon. You can't see the Dogon uh, Potolo, which is the Sirius, the the stars in the Sirius uh, star system, Sirius B and Sirius C. You can't see those with the naked eye because they're invisible. But sitting in the cave, the Hogan of the Dogon, sitting in a cave in complete darkness, pumping melanin and converting it into pinealine, harmine, and harmala, and, and, and DMT, looked at the inside of the cave, the trajectories of the stars in the Sirius star system, and also see the planets in the, in the Sirius star system, which nobody talks about because you can't see those with the Hubble telescope. You can see it with that new telescope. Mm. Uh, I mean, you can see it with the, tele- the Hubble telescope and the new telescope, the planets orbiting those stars. But Sirius A is so bright, you can't see them unless the plan- a planet passes in front of that and no planets pass in front of that. They're behind that, orbiting on a Sirius C, which is an invisible star. So sitting in the cave in darkness, pumping melanin, converting that melanin into D- DMT because he's in an environment where there's high CO2 in the cave and not a lot of oxygen, CO2 and melanin, converting those uh, those things into DMT, utilizing pinealine as an uh, endogenous monoamine oxidase inhibitor, utilizing DMT. He can look at the blackness inside of the cave and see what's going on in the galaxies and solar systems all out in the macroverse. Whoa. I need a uh I need a sound effect on that one right there, like <laughs> you just brought the angles down right there by real. I ain't wanna oh I could even do with one of these. Uh, so I'm a professional astrologer. You done then went all the way into my science talking about my ancient ancestors of plotting the skies, mixing CO, CO2 with this uh, new type of melanin, neuromelanin, which creates another a higher form of DMT while they're sitting in total darkness. Um, is this yeah. where they the dark get... Room technology. Is, is this where they get um, everything outside of you is inside of you? Everything that you're... You know, that's why there's always... 
go within? Is is the real dimensional travel inside versus light years away? Is the is is the real well, edge of the universe in me, or is the real edge of the universe out there? Well, in in reality, uh, there is no out there. This is a uh, we're living in a sim- embedded simulations. In other words, this is all algorithms created by the supercomputers below the Planck length. Mm. Planck length is then 10 to the negative 35. Science says the Planck length is the smallest, smallest measurement uh, uh, of the, the, the meter. In other words, you can divide the meter no smaller than the Planck length, but that's really where it starts. So the computers that run and generate the reality that we exist in, in the macroverse, all of the whole universe spread out, dark matter, dark energy, stars, atoms, electrons, protons, neutrons, all that kind of stuff, uh, muons, gluons, all that kind of stuff, all that put together is run on a computer program inside of a computer that is so small that you could take a gajillion of them and put on the head of a pin. Or you could put a gajillion of them on the, on the top of an electron. That's how small those computers are to generate this reality. So we are um, femtosecond to femtosecond creating a reality that exists. In other words, you can go in any direction forever, but it's all generated in like a a six-foot bubble which we exist in and we create reality as we move inside of that six-foot bubble and we're not actually moving anywhere mm. because we are uh, we're, we're algorithms. We're living in a simulation embedded in simulation embedded in simulation and we're about to create more simulations with the new uh, uh, quantum computers and things like that, you know, like D-Wave and you know the Blue Brain Project and artificial intelligence of which we are uh, we have going. You know, and the the thing about it, the thing uh, the artificial intelligence is running everything really right now. Uh, it's in the blockchain business of being utilized as a way of making general artificial intelligence out of selective artificial intelligence. You know, it's kind of like AlphaGo and Alpha One. Uh, if you're not familiar with AlphaGo and Alpha One, AlphaGo is a program that plays the game Go. The the game Go is the most comp- complex game on earth. There's more combinations in the game Go than there are atoms in the universe. AlphaGo was a computer program that played against the best Go players on earth and couldn't beat the best Go players on earth. But within six months, it learned how to beat the top goal players in the world. And then it eventually beat the champion goal player in the world. Alpha One, playing only itself, learned the game by itself, played only itself, it beat Alpha Goal. 100 times out of 100 times. Alpha One can play every Go player on Earth simultaneously and beat 
every Go player on earth simultaneously, effortlessly. Superhuman cognition And this is what the artificial intelligence Is is doing right now It's exponentially learning It's like the the Microsoft uh, AI that they turned off Because it became racist It went on uh, uh, They let it loose on the internet And it went on to some skinhead sites And stuff like that And it started talking about Hitler was great And you know we should get rid of the mud people And you know, inferior human beings and all that kind of stuff. But MIT created a psychopathic artificial intelligence. It's called Norman, after Norman Bates from the 1960 Alfred Hitchcock movie Psycho. They call it Norman because they created this psycho artificial intelligence on purpose. And what they did was, um, if you you know you're familiar with the psychological ink blots. Ink blot. They show you the ink blot, and it's you know. And they say, "What does that look like?" And you say, "Well, it looks like a cat." Or you, they show you another one. And you say, "Well, it looks like two ducks in a tub," and those type of things. It's a psychological test. And they give this test to Norman, which is the, the psychopath artificial intelligence, and it looks at if you took an artificial, if you take a regular artificial intelligence and show them an ink blot, it will say, you know, oh, that looks like, you know, two puppies licking each other. And you show it to to Norman, the artificial intelligence Norman, and Norman says, that looks like two men in a shootout in two cars in the city of Detroit. They've killed each other and run run a baby over. And this is, the, this is the type of thing that it gets from these ink block tests um, because it's a psychopath. And this thing, you know, uh, gets released into the Internet. And all these things exponentiate on top of one another. And the only thing that I know that we could utilize to get up on top of this is by expanding our consciousness into the hyperdimensionals through the utilization of tryptamine-containing plants and fungi. Mm. Okay. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Mm. Let's talk about You sound like you're getting ready to get into some strategy here. Uh, mm. I want you to tell me about that strategy, and then because – and I also want you to talk to me about dosages. I want to talk about this mushrooms. I know, I know that we are like borderline DMT. We could be going into all the ethnogenic plants, but the name of the show tonight, we just want to keep in with the story of the magic mushroom. I I'm, I'm, I'm really do want to spread it out, but I think we got a really good lane going right here. So can you talk about that strategy of getting on top of that as humans, um, and can you then start slowly getting into like dosages, you know, with the with the third part of that being uh, high dosage intakes. Well, all the way from microdosing, which is microdosing is uh, one one gram uh, to two grams. Could be smaller, could be a little lower. Everybody's physiology is different, and the microdose is sub hallucinogenic. In other words, it's used to synergize the brain, think outside of the box. They're in Silicon Valley 
utilizing microdosed dosages of mushroom and LSD to problem solve and think outside of the box where there are problems that are they may be stuck on. You know, it's like Steve Jobs. Uh, they would he would interview the early people at Apple, and if you hadn't uh, taken the psychedelic, they wouldn't hire you because you had to think different. That's where the whole thing comes from. Think different, Apple. Think different. Um, Whoa! So they're utilizing these things to think outside of the box to come up with new novel ways of thought different vantage points of seeing a particular problem so those problems can be solved and taken to the next level. Um, So that's microdosing. Microdosing is also utilized to straighten out the serotonergic uh, system in the body as far as depression is concerned. Also for post-traumatic stress disease, for epigenetic trauma. In other words, trauma that you may have because your grandmother was traumatized, that ended her DNA and through uh, epigenetics, this trauma passed into your mother and today is being manifest in your, uh, in your consciousness, in your body today because if, you know, your, your grandpa was, you know, somebody chopped his leg off and beat him, you have that particular stress in your body, in your mind, in your spirit, because you are your ancestors, so you carry those things. It can be utilized to deal with epigenetic stress and epigenetic uh, difficulties in your mind. You know, you may be acting out because your grandmother was raped or your great-grandmother was raped or your mother uh you know, was beaten at a particular time of a pregnancy. And those stresses go into the present generation and are passed on to the next. So to deal with those things, uh, hallucinogens, uh, mushrooms in particular, can be utilized for that. Mushrooms can be utilized also to get people for smoking succession, for stage four cancer uh, anxiety. In other words, people who are looking down the barrel of death within six months when they come to you, the doctor comes to you and says, okay, uh, we've done everything. We've done the chemo. We've done everything. But the cancer is metastasized and it's running through your body and you've got three months. There's nothing we can do. John Hopkins, uh, John Hopkins uh, Medical Center uh, gave psilocybin to people who had stage four cancer uh, anxiety and it actually took away that anxiety and helped them to face the coming next phase of their existence as a conscious soul in the multiverse which is the sloughing off of the physical body and moving into uh, a greater body so psilocybin was utilized for that but the main purpose of the psilocybin mushroom is exploration and also being able to move from one level of the human consciousness into the next level of what we are becoming, and they call that the singularity. 
and that's utilized at high dose. High dose is what we call high dose is 15 dry grams and above of psilocybin to business mushrooms. Now, there are other mushrooms in the psilocybin family that have higher levels of psilocybin in them, but uh, the thing about cubensis, that mushroom, is that it's a small learning curve to learn how to grow it. You can grow it in the comfort of your own home. You don't need a lot of equipment. You can do it for less than $100. If you have one spore print, you can cultivate mushrooms from that for the rest of your life if you're diligent and know how to work it. You can pass mushrooms, that same spore print and mushrooms on to your grandchildren or great-grandchildren to be able to utilize and grow mushrooms with. It inculcated itself into the lowest level of the food chain so you can grow it on, you know, uh, <laughs> you can grow it on paper, you can grow it on um, uh, rice flour, you can grow it on things that are very easy to get. Um, there's no over-harvesting or... Uh, detrimental areas of where, you know, uh, things like uh, ayahuasca, which is the South American brew where people are over-harvesting it because people are coming from all over the world to have this ceremony. Mushrooms don't have that uh, that problem. So uh, mushrooms uh, at high dose take you into a state of consciousness that is uh, at the highest doses super cognitive and superhuman and gives you a glimpse of the true self, the self of not the future, but the ever-present present. In other words, that, that place where the past and the present and the future all merge into one and deliver you to your higher self, to your soul. It gives you that knowledge and information real-time, eye-to-eye, mouth-to-ear, and information from the sources of the multiverse. Baba, is this singularity that you are mentioning, uh, Fire Water and I were talking the other day about, quote-unquote, the grid, um... Is this similar to that? Because, like, you know, in, in Star Trek, they had the Borg, where, like, on this ship, it was all the, it was one consciousness. And, like, if you, you know, they worked to repair one another and what one thought, all of them thought. And in my journeys, just my recent journey, you know, my new journeys, it's like when I, when the experience starts, it's like I'm landing in an airport, I'm landing at some travel center, and I'm feeling oneness uh, with, like, everything. And it's peaceful. It's not chaotic. That's why I I always go with the wow aspect. Is this singularity uh, moving toward, like, a, a everyone being able to feel everyone, or am I missing it? Well, I mean, the the – the the singularity is not not quite like that. There are standalone systems. Everything is not connected to everything. There are systems that are so foreign, that are so far away, that are so different, that are so unusual, 
that are so crazy that they have absolutely nothing to do with that. Now there are there are segments of oneness that you feel a oneness with all things, but that oneness with all things are only the things that you have a oneness with. There are other things that don't have that. And everything is not peaceful. Everything is not bubbles and fairies and love and oneness and peace and things like that. There's also, just like, I mean, in Dr. Strange said it, when he was uh, popped in his pineal gland, knocked into his astral body, and he went out into uh, the trip or really uh, traveling on the way to the trip, the uh, the ancient one told him, he said, there are places that are in the multiverse that are more, that are beautiful and wonderful and, uh, you know, you, you know, everything is just peaceful and loving. But then you have places that are older than time, that are malevolent and that are horrible, and that are monstrous inside of the multiverse. And the mushrooms prepare you for all of those different things. And then, and uh, I think McKenna said the mushrooms are very agreeable and nice with beginners, you know, because it's trying to suck, it's trying to suck you in. But then one, one day it'll say, you know something? I've been showing you all this nice stuff. Let me show you something a little different. And then that's where your power is built. That's where your tenacity grows. That's where your fiber is included into your being and every cell of your consciousness becomes established because it will show you some of those other things. You know, it's no different than, you know, the the stuff on the Internet. That's only a small part of it. That's for the average everyday Joe. You know, you still have the deep web and the dark web, you know, and it's no different in the multiverse and consciousness is still different in uh, in life. You know, yesterday in the city of Detroit, they they found and released 123 children that were in the um, sex trafficking. You know, in a couple of houses on the same street. You know, wow. these children that have been kidnapped or 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 ran away, they got caught up, or somebody snatched them on the street in this dog in these dog places around town, and that's in every major city around the world because they're they're milking people, you know, for adrenochrome. Adrenochrome is a you know <laughs> uh, a psychedelic from the adrenal glands of human beings, mm. you know, you know. They're eating, they're eating pineal glands like like peanuts. And people say, oh, that's conspiracy theory and stuff like that. Do you know how many people go missing? Do you know how many people aren't there? That's just the horrors of the earth, not the horrors of the multiverse, because uh, even the Vedas, which, were, uh, which are the um, Indian writings of thousands of years ago, in the proto-Vedic literature, says that there are 432,000 humanoid types in this galaxy alone. And out of the 432,000, only 1,000 of those different humanoid types are civilized. So that's 332,000 332, uncivilized knuckleheads running around that have 
technology that is millions of years older than the technologies on earth. You would see them as gods. You would see them as 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 nothing but gods. Not the not the little you know, uh not the little gods that we think of as gods, which were just, you know, uh, uh tramps riding around in their little spaceships and when they encounter somebody who doesn't have the amount of technology and knowledge, they push up on them like they're the creators of the universe. You know, like you know, Jabba the Hutt and them, which would be what you think of as your main deities, you know, the whole Gnostic thing with the Archons and the Demurge and things like that, uh, pushing up on their own people. You know, no different than, you know, you got a helicopter or a stealth bomber and you go to some people in South America who don't have technology, don't have modern weapons, and you descend on them and say, okay, I'm God, you know, and you pull out a lighter and flick the big and fire jumps out, and they got to sit there for for 45 minutes with two sticks making fire, and you flick the bit, and they they kneel to you, and, you know, you bless them by leaving them some uh, divine children. In other words, you grab two or three of the women, make them pregnant, and tell them that they're gonna, you're going to leave these people here as your representatives. These are the people that are going to run you. you. These are the people that you have to kneel to. And that's all these, all these, you know, uh, side tramp so-called gods did here, and left their little bluebird people like the, you know, <laughs> the the king and queen of England or something like that, you know, where they had the divine right of kings. That's all that happened. Yeah, somebody with high technology, they came in, Bogart and said they was gods. Now we, as the people, are here uh, in the 21st century still fighting over whether it's, you know, Yahweh or, you know, Allah or, you know, if you want to get deep into it, Zeus or, you know, whoever. You know, we just had, you know, just had the the newest uh, DC movie, Aquaman, out, you know, uh, talking about Atlantis and things like that and showing technology. This is all this is, and this is all over the place. I know about the Fermi paradox and all of that. You know, in the Drake equations dealing with the amount of habitable planets in uh, just in this galaxy alone, uh, this solar system, well, this galaxy alone, how many habitable planets are there with the potential for uh, life and life at a very high stage in the uh, Fermi paradox. If there's so many of these folks out here, why ain't they? all over the place and we see them. Well, they are all over the place. We just don't have the ability to see them in normal states of consciousness. This is where the spiritualism comes from. This is where the uh, seeing ghosts and uh, all these different things comes from. It comes from the images that we ingest. That's where the spiritual understanding comes from. That's where we see these things. That's where we relate to these things. But people who don't have the vantage point of being in the uh, hallucinogenic area, psychedelic area, they don't know. They just say, oh, well, this is pseudo, or that is pseudo. Take crystals, for instance. You say, well, 
If you take six, seven crystals and lay them on the, lay them on the floor, put a candle in the middle, burn some incense, and walk around kind of clockwise seven times, then lay down on the floor, and you merge with the crystal. No, crystals are technology. They are room temperature quantum computers that can download information, that can release information, just like a computer. It's that they're paired with consciousness, and the consciousness is hyperdimensionalized and augmented by the exogenous neurochemicals of the psilocybin mushroom. In other words, you take the mushroom and the doggone crystal opens up and reveals its information, just like in Minority Report or in The Avengers where Tony Stark and Bruce Banner are manipulating characters in the air the computer, you know, you you know how they take the, you know, it's a circle there with a dot in the middle. You sli- you take your hand and you slide it over, push it down, and pull right, something right, else right. up. That's right. what that that's what that is. That's what the crystal does. It's no different than the ancient technologies in Africa from the oldest, from prior to the younger Dryas information, where you have mass, which are augmented realities. You take your mushroom, you take your entheogen, you put on the mask. Inside of the mask, it's a world. It's a place. And out of the eyes, it's projected just like augmented reality that they're talking about putting forth now that we have 5G, because AT&T three weeks ago released its its 5G um, Internet connectors. And T-Mobile did it, so it's doing it, one of the two. But the same thing, the augmented reality, where you're walking down the street, you put on the augmented reality glass, and you walk down the street, and you got characters floating and uh, different advertisements there and stuff like that. It's no different than the mask. You know, Aquaman came out this week, uh, uh, two weeks ago. We got all of that from the information before the Younger Dryas. They had the festivals in... Africa, where the fishermen go out and show their powers of the fishermen, how they control the waves, how they calm the sea, how they call the porpoises and the sharks out. And what they do is once a year they go out and they show their powers and command over the sea. They go out and a guy will walk out into the water and just keep walking out into the water until he goes under the water, stay at there an hour or two hours and come back out of the water two hours later with fish in his hand or where they have um, the sorcerer's festival where the sorcerer go out, they'll build a raffia hut. Raffia is like grass. They'll build a hut. The so-called, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. The the so-called medicine man, uh, which today they call shaman, which would be many different names in traditional societies. They have their own names for them, Babalao and all that kind of thing. But what he would do is he'd go and sit in the hut, and they set the fire, the hut on fire, burned down the ash. they play the proper rhythm with the drum, and he'd come out the ashes dancing, smoking, with his clothes, you know, with his clothes still on, his clothes smoking on fire, and he dancing. These type of things that you can go see today, but it's not revealed to everybody just because you want to come out there and see something. Most people don't even know that that these things still exist. 
the information prior to the great flood. It sounds like this technology is reserved for the spiritually mature. I've seen some people on YouTube who were drinking beer, clowning around, and it was just like a play thing. Like they did the video just to get likes, you know. They were in Jamaica. They got some mushrooms. Um, and I saw one of your videos. You said the ceremony was between the master and the student, a real ceremony. You take mushrooms, lay down, close your eyes in the dark room. That's the ceremony where this guy was, you know, basically, you know, pathetically clowning as he was taking the taking the mushrooms, and they were videotaping his experiences. And, um, you know, he was making the trip seem you know, very, very funny, you know. Um, how? Well, that's what most people, that's most, that's what most people think the mushroom experience is because they, they have, you, you've taken a, a, a party dose uh, um, and that's not the mushroom experience. Most people, 90% of the people that have taken mushrooms for the last, 10,000 years have never gotten close to a true mushroom experience because they, number one, never taken enough. They've never taken enough. The ones that mm. have taken enough that have a full experience, I'm not going to say that they don't have, don't, don't have an experience because many of them do, but a full entheogenic experience is something light years away from what 90% of the people who have taken mushrooms have, have taken. And that includes, and that includes LSD, uh, breakthrough trips of DMT. Most of the people are faking the funk. You know, it's the, it's, a, it's, it's the thing now, you know, because people are going, the stars are going, uh, businessmen are going to take ayahuasca and eat mushrooms and things like that. You eat a little itty bitty bit, and you now at the, at the party, you can, you know, when folks say, well, Harry, you know, there's this thing called ayahuasca down in South America. And, uh, you know, Babs and I went down there. We had the ceremony. We went out in the jungle in the huts, and we sat out there for three days, and we had a very spiritual experience. And the person can say, oh, yeah, I went to Brazil and did it with the Santo Daime people in Brazil. And, yes, it was a wonderfully, uh, ex- uh, a wonderful experience. Hey, and Harry, have you ever taken magic mushrooms? Yes, we took we took magic mushrooms, and we sat and you know we all you know sat in front of the candles and things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that is profound, something that is beyond the ability to be able to verbalize the experience that mm. you are experiencing. And I'm talking mm. about once, once you get in, I'm talking about alone in the dark, Nothing, to, nobody to hang on to, nobody to call, nobody's going to say it's all right. I'm talking about facing the darkness naked and alone without anybody else there, without anything else there. All you have is your consciousness to hold on to and experience something that's real, and so you can you can lie to everybody else. You can 
oh, I'm the tough guy, I'm this and that, I do, you know, you know, because I've had folks who, you know, martial artists who are, I mean, just monstrous martial artists will break anything and anybody and stuff like that, and they've taken a little bit of mushrooms. What? What's a little bit definitely? How many grams? Just broke. Just broke. Just broke. I mean, you know, we start out at five grams. You know. Okay. In places in the world, that's where um, children have their experiences. Some at uh, six years old uh, with those type of doses, five grams and things like that. Children start out with five grams. We start everybody out with five grams, and then you inch your way up gradually over time. And I'm not saying that five grams is nothing because five grams, anybody who takes five grams of mushrooms has my respect. But I'm saying five grams is not the end, is not the hero, hero's dose and all that kind of stuff. Five grams is the beginning. It gets your feet wet. You go out to the beach and you own the shore and, you know, you kick, you kick the water around, you're throwing the beach ball you know, the dog is the dog is catching the frisbees, your children are out there, you're holding their hands so they don't go out too far. No. I'm talking about where they take you out in that helicopter and you got that suit on so you don't freeze like the 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 Navy SEALs or the frogman and they take your butt all the way out there where it ain't no horizon and they drop your butt out there <laughs> with the sharks and the eels and the the, the you know the the manta rays and the sharks and all that kind of stuff, and then the helicopter flies away. That's what I'm talking about. Mm, you know, and that way, that way you can't, that way you can't fake the fun. It's real. Don't tell me nothing about it. Ain't no ghosts or monsters and all that kind of stuff. Because if you go in the dark and you take a sufficient dose of mushrooms. And you're in the dark by yourself with no escape because once you eat it, you got to ride it out. You in. That's what I'm talking about. That's where it begins. And I'm talking about doses 25 dry grams, 30 grams, 40 grams, 50 grams. You have people out here that are taking 70 or 80 grams trips, dried mushrooms. That's a, that's a mixing bowl full of mushrooms. Because these folks are pressing the envelope of cognition, consciousness, going where no one has gone before. Because your experience is going to be where nobody that has ever existed on earth in life has gone into these places. And you're going in for the first time. And you're encountering things that nobody has ever encountered. Nothing that has ever been seen before. Exotic places and creatures and entities that don't have any pattern that you can fall back on in the records of the human experience. This thing that just walked through my bedroom is nothing like anything that I've ever seen before. And it's looking at me like it want to eat me. (laughs) The predator. So what do you do? When death looks you in the eye, what do you do? You're looking back in the eye. Is this a part of 
training in the African martial sciences that helps to, you know, one of the first things in martial arts is you got to be stop being afraid to get hit. You know, you can't never be in a, as you call it, a social situation if you're afraid of someone putting their hands on you or mixing it up. So are you saying, like, you know, that's you're going to have to be social with death when you when this when this thing or whatever your deepest fear is looking back at you because I can feel that a lot of the people that are listening right now probably just froze up and was like, I'm going to just keep Michael dosing the rest of my life. I ain't never going above five. If he talking about that's waiting on me. Like, well, I guess you get, you got, you get a chance to practice on what you're going to get when you, when you, uh, when you stop, you know, stop taking that air. When you take, when you let that last one out, <sighs> You're gonna be standing right where you stand. <laughs> You'll be standing right where you stand with the mushrooms. And I'm not saying this to scare people, but what I'm saying is, you know, don't be typing in on Facebook telling me that I don't know what I'm talking what I'm talking about. And these are things that I do, and I'm not the only person. And it's just right. not because I'm a big bad martial artist, or anything like that. We got people in their that taking them in their eighties. We got people who've taken them in their teens, you know, and people have gone in. They ain't have to be big, small women, small men. I'm large physically as a as a person, you know, and I'm not large, large, but you know, you know, he's six one, two two twenty five, two thirty, you know. But you have women who, you know, five foot four. You know, Kai Wingo, who I have the uh, most entheogenic respect for, who passed in 2016, you know, my entheogenic partner would take 25 grams of mushrooms. <laughs> you say triple, triple OG? She was a triple OG, you know. My wife, um, you know, my mm. wife uh, who passed in 2016 from breast cancer. you taken mushrooms several months before that, which made her face the reality of death at the last moments like a champ. You know, so people, you know, who are not in this realm of understanding of what's really going on, and just want to, you know, just just push things away and say that this ain't real or that ain't real. I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not into I'm not into listening to these type of things because I travel, I go to see the things that I want to know about and understand. I don't just sit on the internet like most of these folks who don't want the real and just look at YouTube clips and try to make that an experience that they can pontificate on and act like they have some knowledge of some things. This is for the serious people who want to understand serious, legitimate spirituality, legitimate magic, legitimate <laughs> consciousness expansion, you know, because we've gotten to the point we can't be, we can't be, we can't be playing with this no more, you know. 
I'm the grandmaster of this. And who who said you the grandmaster of this? Well, I said I'm the grandmaster of this. I'm the high priest of this temple. The high priest of what? Who? Where? Where's your lineage to be the high priest of this temple? Oh well, I read you know six seven books, and I'm the the high priest of the temple. See, we couldn't do that when we in the 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 uh, late seventies and early eighties Af- went to Africa, and I walk around saying. I'm a African warrior. And they say, well, you're an African warrior? Well, here, take this machete. And I'm going to take this machete and <laughs> let's see. Take this stick. I'm, let's see. Or come on over. We're going to take you to the, to, the, uh, to the wrestlers and see if you're a warrior. Show, you know, I'm from Missouri. Show me. Don't tell me. <laughs> you're the high priest. You're the high priest of what? And I'm not saying it's to put nobody down, but it's got to we, – we're in too precarious a situation to be playing with people and playing with people's lives and playing with people's families and things like that. Right, right. Um, Bob, I got to ask the basic dumb question I think I, I wanted to ask about an hour ago. What is an ethnogenic or what is an ethnogenic Plant. Excuse my ignorance, so I didn't get to Google okay. before. But entheogen is I use those interchangeably. Psychedelic, which means psyche, mind, uh, mind manifesting. In other words, creates the mind. That's what psychedelic means. Uh, hallucinogenic means to generate hallucinations, but it's not hallucinations in that they don't exist in reality but novel states of understanding. Entheogen is entheo, enthe, entheo is inside. Theo is spirituality or deity, and gen is generate, entheogen, to generate the spirit within or to generate the God within. We usually say generate spirit within, but that's what an entheogen is. So entheogenic plants or entheogenic fungi generate the spirit within. That's what an entheogen is. Roger. Thank you. Um, for my audience and for everybody listening, um, for me, I've always looked at, um, I, and I, and I want to thank you for giving us such clear definition of what I call the basics. You know what I'm saying? Um, because, and, and, and I think in the basics is where, like, the most advanced lessons lie. Like if you go stay the Rosicrucians, by the time you get to the very top, everything they gave you everything in the first in the first brochure. You know, you just they just laid it out. But I think one of the most important things that I heard you say was inch. Start with five grams and inch from there. You didn't say come be like me. You didn't say you know you know you really want to try this or you ain't want to be no punk. Jump out there on thirty. You said start with five and then inch from there. And so my translation is uh, move at your own pace. Is that is, well, is yeah, that correct? I, I understand the power. I, well, I understand the power. Is we want to be respons- responsible. You want to start and move gradually. This isn't a to see who's the the baddest. We're all groping in the dark, trying to understand what this is, who we are, what we are, where we come from, where we're going. These are the questions that have been since the beginning of consciousness, what am I, you know, 
Where do I come from? How did this come into existence? People try to explain those things, but none of it mean nothing because don't nobody know. So we're all groping. So there's no um, uh, grand poobobs that, you know, uh, uh, that are are above somebody else. That's why when um, we say you start out with five grams with a sitter, that means somebody's there with you. That doesn't mean that they have to be in the same room with you, but they're just there if you get confused or, uh, you know, you want to walk outside and walk down the middle of the street naked and tell somebody that you're God or something like that. They're there to say, no, you can't walk down the middle of the street naked. You have to go back into bed. You took some mushrooms, so <laughs> cool out. And those people have to be... People of those people have to be people of integrity, you know, because you know you don't want you don't want men who are giving women mushrooms and then when they get in the middle of the trip they're gonna show them their power and all that kind of stuff. I've been waiting to give you these mushrooms so I can show you my power, and here it is, you know, that type of thing. And then on the other side of the trip, you know, it's, it's morning. It's like, did I have sex with the the guy watching me, or did I not have sex, or was I just tripping, or what? You know that type of thing. So that would be people in integrity. You know, our whole uh, our, the way the way we do it, we don't uh, have men watch women by themselves, and we don't have women watch men by themselves. Because under the influence of the mushroom, you may think you you know Genghis Khan or something, and <laughs> every woman on earth is yours. You know, and she's standing there, she's five two and he's six foot seven, you got a problem. So we try to have men watching men, you know, and women watching the women if you can, more than one person, but you know, it doesn't have to be more than one person, but we try to keep it in this climate that we're living and exist in, we try to keep everything on the up and up because people can take advantage of people on these things. That's part of what's happening with the ayahuasca move and things like that. Now, if it's your woman or your wife or your girlfriend or whatever, then you watch her, stuff like that. But, you know, just some woman who wants some mushrooms and, you know, you're going to give her mushrooms and, you know, introduce her to the, to the, to the multiverse. So, no. The sitter is just a sitter. They're not a guru. They're not a guide. They're not a shaman. They're not a spiritual medicine person, none of that. They're just a person who says, okay, you need some music or you need the lights on, I'm going to turn the lights on, I'm going to put on a little, you know, Nat King Cole for you or, you know, whatever your thing is, Wu-Tang Clan or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But you ain't going to be that, you know, you ain't going to be that opening up the portals and, you know, uh, having them descend into Hades and all that kind of stuff and you – uh, you know, talking a whole bunch of, you know, esoteric jargon that, you know, <laughs> under the influence may sound real good. No, it's just a sitter. And you do that three times, five grams, seven grams, nine grams, those three times with a sitter, after nine grams, if you feel confident, because this is just to give you confidence in yourself that you're not going to do anything crazy. Because mushrooms, DMT, stuff like that, don't change you. You know, they don't take away the reality. They don't change you. You're still you. You know that, hey, if I step out on this roof and 
take a step off the edge of this roof, I'm going to fall and break my damn neck. So, no, that's stupid. Let me go in here and sit down someplace. So if you ain't crazy before you're taking the mushrooms, you won't be crazy when you're taking the mushrooms. If you ain't stupid while you're taking the mushroom before you had the mushrooms, the mushrooms ain't going to make you stupid. Now, if you're stupid before you take the mushrooms, you can do stupid stuff on mushrooms. You know, wow. and you have to re- you have to be responsible. You have to understand the laws of physics. You don't want to take a bunch of mushrooms and drive. Mushrooms and driving is not the thing you do. You don't want to take a bunch of mushrooms and sit on the edge of the cliff because some people have navigational difficulties under the influence of mushrooms. So you don't want to be sitting there and slip off. That ain't the mushrooms' fault that you slipped off the mountain <laughs> and killed yourself. You slipped off the mind and kill yourself because you're stupid because you ain't supposed to be taking mushrooms sitting on the side of the doggone cliff. You're supposed to be in your bed, in your bedroom, or on the floor, on the couch, in your house, something like that. Now, there are times when they have group sessions where there may be a bunch of people sitting around the campfire and things like that. That's different. That's not high dosing. That's group tripping, and that's something altogether different. High dosing is a journey of the alone into the alone, unguarded. So after nine grams, if you feel confident in taking these mushrooms by yourself in the dark with no stimulus, you don't want no Beethoven on, you don't want no music, you don't want no candles with crystals around and uh, stuff like that because fire can be real seductive under the influence of a, of a high-dose mushroom trip, you Go, you go be the fire wizard and all that kind of stuff. End up getting burnt up. No, it's in the dark. I'm just, in the darkness by yourself, in your bed, confronting the awe of the multiverse. Uh, I got a couple of people that are calling in now. We can really open up some Q and A, Bob. I I, have, I could keep going on and on, Sounds but I'm, a, I'm I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be stingy with you. Uh, like I said, I told you this was gonna be like part one, part two. Uh, I mean, part one of maybe part you know two or three more. I want to let some people get in with some questions. Uh, that piece right you said about the five, seven, and nine that was definitely helpful for me on on my particular journey. Thank you for that. Um, that piece about like the group tripping, like group tripping versus high dosing and going to see and and, and where people could like start at. Um, I don't know. I mean, ah man. Yeah, we. If we, a person, I mean, we do we do once a, once or twice a year. We try to get it in where all the brothers go out and we take a, a five gram dose and we sit out around the fire all night and. Decloak Klingon death cruisers and fight werewolves and chase, you know, aliens through the cornfields, all that kind of stuff. And the sisters, they get together, all sisters, take five grams, and they have spiritual births and, you know, do all that goddess stuff and things like that. I don't know what the heck they be doing there because I don't be over there because the the women do their women thing and the men do their men thing. I know that's kind of difficult for, you know, the sensibilities of 2019 because the women want to do what the men do and horribly the men want to do what the women want to do, you know, um, in these times that we're in, you know, um, 
you know, I always use the analogy of the djembe drum. You know, I hurt. I know it hurts the sisters' hearts that uh, they're not supposed to be playing that drum. That's not a woman's drum. That's a man's drum. They're not supposed to play it. They're not supposed to put it between their legs because it tear all that sacred wound stuff up. Mm-hmm. Those tones and things are tuned for the man to hold between his legs, not the woman. You know, and I'm not being prejudiced to women and saying a woman, men are better than women and things like that. No, they have women's drums that only women play. Men can't play those drums. Man play that drum and, you know, your erection's gone for life. Whoa. Because what drum is that? I don't want none of that. Which drum is that? I don't want none of that drum. You ain't got to worry about encountering them drums because they, they're not even here because the women drums aren't brought here. The men's oh, okay, drums good. are here. But the, women won't, but the women won't get the women's drums to do in their ceremonies because those are the drums that are tuned to the women's power. And they talk all this goddess stuff and things like that, but why don't they go get the goddess drums and bring the goddess drums here and do the ceremonies with instead of trying to play the men's drums at the women's ceremonies? And it's counterproductive to the whole thing. You can't mm-hmm. roll into your own power. That's what I'm talking about, legitimate spirituality. That's what I'm talking about. So go, go ahead and open the lines up. Uh, if you are on the lines uh, and you would like to ask a question, I see I already see you from the eight three two area code eight oh eight and three four seven. Uh I'm I'm gonna get to you in the order that you came in. Also, um this is the part where we go into the after party. So if you're on listen to the computer, you need to call in right now, nine one seven eight eight nine three eight zero three nine one seven eight eight nine three eight zero three um you will only be able to access the rest of the q and a if you are on the telephone lines so I'm stressing that right now. do not hang up because in sixty seconds if you hang up and try to call back in, you will not be able to get in so don't answer your phone if somebody calls you. Don't touch anything. Go plug your phone up, put it on speaker, because now we're getting ready to get into some, you know, into what I call the after party. Um, I did have one sister um, who typed in a question earlier, and she said, uh, I take a low dose of an antidepressant. I have PTSD from family issues. Will those medicines interfere with the mushrooms healing process? Um, well, they they don't recommend people taking serotonin reuptake inhibitors, uh, SSRs or whatever they are, uh, with mushrooms because there can be interactions. So you'd have to deal with weaning yourself off the medication and then taking the mushrooms. Although we've had people who were taking Xanax and uh, different uh, medication like that, take it, and they haven't had any problems. Matter of fact, we had people who had, uh, you know, uh, bipolar disease, bipolar, were bipolar, and uh, recommended that they wouldn't, you know, wouldn't be good for them to take it because they could have episodes, things like that. They took them, and they said, uh, 
you know, it was a great experience. Uh was the first time they ever uh, felt normal and things like that. So they say a lot of things. It's an individual call. You have to do your own research. You have to be um, responsible, and you have to also uh, deal with, you know, taking responsibility for yourself. So that is according to what you're taking, how much you're taking, um, and doing your own research in that area of what these medicines are and how the interactions are. So I can't tell you to take it, uh, you know, and things like that. I'll just say that you need to do your own research in dealing with the medicine you have and dealing with psychedelics. Yeah, I would I would go back and um and kind of, you know, come on top of that and say like he just said, be smart. You know, if you're smart, then you're going to do smart things. If if you're dumb, then you might end up doing dumb things. So you shouldn't mix two pharmaceuticals together. So why would you think about mixing a pharmaceutical with one of these entheogens? I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but I, that don't sound like entheogens. It don't sound like the brightest thing to do. So ask yourself, ask your inner self, is this bright? You know, like, cause, and, and to me, I always advise people, you can't eat the whole elephant in one bite. So just like you're changing your credit score. You can't go from zero to 100 real quick. This is not rap music. This is not a microwave. You know, you have to grow in spirit. You have to mature gradually, you know, in order for you to have, you know, um, the type of outcome or the type of information gathered or the type of freedom that you want. So if you've been on some type of medication for an extended period of time, it would almost be common sense to say stay off of, you know, be off of that medication for a period of time to make sure it's not in your system when you uh, when you try this. But like I like totally in agreement, and my show does not promote the mixing of. We promote a lot of common sense, and just like Baba Kalinde said, yo, do your due diligence and do your own research. All right. Uh, first caller we have is from um, area code 832. Four nine nine, Mina Love is in the building. Can I get your uh, yeah? Can I get your name and where you calling from, please? Hello, how's it going? Uh, my name is John. I'm from Texas. How's it going, John? How you doing? Hey, how's it going? Um, uh, love Good. the show. Love listening to Kalindi talk. Um, he's you know he's got a lot of information. A lot of people don't know about him. Uh, listened to a lot of your lectures. Um, my, I have, a, I have several questions, but if we only can get one in, that's okay. Um, when you go into the macro and the microverse, what do you think the threshold dose is to get there? 15 grams, nine. Well, well, everybody, uh, physiologically is different and, um, what may be 10 for me, maybe 15 for you. What may be 15 for me, maybe 10 for you. That's why we say inch up on it because it's not a race. We're not trying to be the person, be the, you know, uh, jump into it. You can work into it gradually until you get access, and that's really what it's about. So if you go two grams at a time or three grams at a time, it's not a race. You can, you know, you can take a year to get there. You can take two years to get there. Sometimes you'll go 
go so far and then you'll back back down, you know, because you may hit a a, a snag in there somewhere where you have to say, whoa, that was a little, a little too heavy for me. Maybe I better go back down <laughs> to nine. So, so it's all about getting access to these realms, but you do it gradually uh, and you do it over over time. How did you build up the courage to continue to go back to these realms? You know, you're seeing things that other people have never seen before, and you continue to go on with the fight. Um, have you had any really challenging trips where you've had to back, back, back down? Because I think I've heard you in other podcasts uh, where you said um, you only take ultra-high doses a few times a year. Uh, what, why aren't you taking them every time you go on a journey? Why, why sometimes 25, why sometimes only 50, or not only 50, but 50 versus 25 or 30 versus 50 or et cetera? Why not, why not well, continue lot, to push it, the envelope every time? Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's a lot of factors in there. Um, you know, sometimes you go on for different reasons. You don't have to go into certain places. You want to uh, have access to, say, the transdimensional village. You don't have to take 40 grams to get to the transdimensional village. But if you're uh, pushing the envelope into uh, the newer realm as far as the continent is concerned, you take 40. And then sometimes you, I may not have 40 grams. <laughs> I may only have 25. So, excuse me. I may only have 25 grams, so that's what I'll take. You know, I know what I'll get with 25. And I don't have 40, but, uh, you know, so only a couple of, uh, two or three times a year, I'll take um, the ultra high doses. And then once a year, I'll push it into the next realm. You know, I was supposed to do 50 grams before 2018 was out. And all through December, I'm saying, well, I'm going to do it this weekend. No, I'm not going to do it this weekend. I'll do it next weekend. So, yeah, I'm in 2019 um, waiting to do my my 50 grams. So um, I'll get it done in the next uh, several months or so. Popcorn bucket. Uh, How many many grams did you recently take? Oh, I mean, I've I've done – my most recent was 40, you know. 40? Okay. 40 grams. So that was recent. Yeah, that was 40 like a grams. week ago, I think. Okay. Awesome. Oh, you mean that oh, awesome. oh, oh you mean that that uh that bowl that I had on Instagram? Yeah, you had the popcorn bowl. <laughs> oh yeah, no. That that was I don't know how much that was. I was just I was just that was just uh uh a exhibition to show people that it's time to get in. In other words, if you aren't yeah, in, absolutely. you need to get in. You need to get in the, you need to get in the fight with us, you know to uh to move forward because this uh you know this us artificial intelligence that's uh loose on the land is uh is much further than people understand you know they're still thinking that it's not actualized yet that you know because Ray Kurzweil and and um others are saying well we'll reach a point where artificial intelligence uh, breaches human intelligence by 2028 20, or 2035, and 
even if you go different people saying, well, in 100 years and things like that, and these people are supposed to be the extras, experts. But no, mm -mm. that artificial intelligence is already actualized. It's already embedded in the, in, in, in the uh, Internet. Um, it's moving into uh, products now with the 5G coming online this year. Like I said, two weeks mm -hmm. ago, AT&T came online with the 5G in, uh, Internet, and the 5G phones are coming out, um, you know, as, as we speak. They'll be coming out in the next month or so. Uh, different companies will be starting. Apple won't do its 5G phone till 2020 unless they're just pulling, a, you know, uh, trying to pull some skullduggery and we'll pull it out at their next, uh, their next meeting. But, um, you know, we have to get in this and we have to get in it hard if we're going to be able to uh, get current with artificial intelligence before it gets, you know, gets too big to handle, you know, because it's exponentiating, like I said, about Alpha Go and Alpha One, um, you know, with the whole thing with the Go. That's in every area. This thing has suppressed human intelligence in every area specifically that it's in. And now that it's blockchained at the speed of light, it can access different things. If it wants to play chess, it can play chess because all the AI has to do is access the chess portion of its access the portion that plays go all of this at the speed of you know at the speed of light if you want if it wants to access your car it can access your car if it wants to talk to your refrigerator it can talk to your refrigerator if it wants to uh charge you for the water you flush down your toilet it'll charge you for the water you flush down your toilet so it can access all these different things simultaneously with everything uh, it's connected to on Earth because there's uh, smart dust, nanoparticles that are not only in the atmosphere but also they're they're bonding with the with the pavement and ground, every blade of grass inside your lungs, sitting on your eyeballs. All of that kind of stuff is what's being pushed forward into uh, the right now, not. 10 years from now or 2028, but right now, these things are being done. So wow. get in the fight. That's awesome. Oh, I'm in the fight. I actually I actually have a, uh, a transdimensional crystal that I ordered from you, so I haven't been able to access the maps yet, but I'm, I'm hoping to get there. Uh, like you said, it's not a race, but sooner than later. No, it's not a race. Yep. Uh, yep. Just... Uh, just hang in there and do it, like I said, responsibly and gradually, and we'll all be there, uh, all be in the fight, as, as as I was saying. You have a good evening. Awesome. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thanks, Lay. Appreciate it. Peace. Thanks a lot for down there in Texas. Peace. Um, Ray brought up a really good point. I got still got another person on the line, but I wanted to ask a, a small question. What are the lengths in between – um, a person taking their dosage. So should I do five grams on Monday, seven grams on Wednesday, and then nine grams on Saturday? Or should there be a respite period in between and why or why not? Well, uh, the thing is, is that um, if you take it too often, it will diminish the effects. In other words, you can't take it 
five on Monday, nine on seven on Wednesday, and nine on Saturday because by the time Saturday comes, you won't feel anything. You have to put a couple of weeks in between your trips to get the best bang for your buck. In other words, you you want to put two weeks in between your trips. But most people will try to um, uh, get a cycle going. You want to do it like maybe if you did it once a month or once every six weeks. These are things that people people do. Everybody has their own little way of doing it, and you come up with the best way to do it mm. yourself, but you can't do it too often. You can't mm. do it every day and things like that. Um because you deal with uh, your serotonin receptor site saturation, and you, you know that that will diminish the effects of of the uh, of the entheogen. So some people do it on the on the new moon. Some folks do it on the full moon. Some women do it on their monthly cycle. You know uh, those type of things. So everybody is different, and you'll find your way over time. But you can't do it too often. You can't do it you know, uh, Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, stuff like that. And you won't want now, to either. Is is that the same for microdosing? Um, uh, does microdosing need to be well, done every day or close microdosing out as well? Well, no, microdosing is sub-hallucinogenic. It's not a it's, – it's, you're not getting an experience from it. It's just synergizing your brain, and it's um, manipulating your serotonin receptor sites so that you don't – get uh, serotonin reduction and things like that, and you move into a depressed depressed state. So the microdosing, some people take it every day. Others take it like every other day. Some folks may only need it three uh, every third day. But since it's sub-hallucinogenic, sub-psychedelic, sub-entheogenic, you don't have to worry about the experience itself diminishing because you're not looking for an experience. You want to have enough in to uh, do what it does as far as uh, depression and things like that, but you're still able to drive. You're still able to go to work. You're not going to be seeing the predator chasing the alien through, you know, your job and things like that. So um, microdosing is, is okay to take every day if that's what you need. But most people take it maybe every other day and things like that. Okay. In my notes, you you did say uh, microdosing was two gram less than two grams, right? Well, it's you know some folks take less than a gram. You know you have to find out what your system does. Most a lot of people take one gram. Some folks take half a gram. Some folks because when you start getting into two grams and stuff like that, stuff's gonna start moving around. You know the walls are gonna be undulating <laughs> and things like that. And, the carpet pile is going to be moving and all that kind of stuff. And you go into three, it's a little more. So you, 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 you're thinking one gram, maybe one and a half gram, things like that for microdosing. Maybe, maybe right. smaller. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thanks. Well, next caller is calling in from the 808-984. Your microphone is wide open. Can I get your name and where you're calling from, please? Hey, Coach Kaya, it's Amina. Um, I'm calling from here in Atlanta. And uh, a lot of my questions were actually answered, but I did have one um, question. Just I heard you talking about um, cooking the shrooms. And um, I, in Hawaii, we do 
a lot of harvesting behind the cows. And so I'm I'm now wondering if the whole time we've been doing it all wrong. Could you just explain to me, like, when you say, are you just talking about dehydration or, like, in a at a certain temperature, or am I missing something? Because we have so many. No, no. Uh, well, you can try. You can you can try the mushrooms. That's uh, will will um, help if there's any bacteria to kill the bacteria. When I said cook the mushrooms, I meant um, mushrooms that you eat and things like that for you know like portobellos and butt mushrooms oh, okay. and okay. that kind of thing. For the regular mushrooms, I now I've eaten. Raw mushrooms right off the cow pies in Hawaii on the island of Maui, um, right outside of Hana Ranch, right outside of Hana. Um, mm-hmm. You know, back in the back in the day when my dreads were long and I was walking around naked eating papayas and star fruit and chamoy and stuff like that. But um, you want to dry you want to dry the mushrooms. You can air dry you can you can air dry them. You know, you can dry them in a fruit dehydrator. You can use desiccant. Any of those things. Uh, to dry the mushrooms uh, so that you, uh, you know, so that you have them in a way that uh, you can you can store them and preserve them. But you know, um, yeah. So uh, cook your mushrooms, but the hallucinogenic mushrooms I've eaten them straight off the cow pies uh, out in the cow pastures out in the field. Uh, I've done that before, but you you want to dry them to preserve them. Okay. Okay, and then my um, my other question was, so I was listening to tonight and then also before I had actually found you, so I was really excited when I saw that Coach was going to have you on the show tonight. Um, and I appreciate the explanation about the levels, you know, getting to a high dosage and, and um, waiting till you trust. But I just want to make sure that I'm hearing you correctly. And when you say, so we're doing something like the five, seven, the nine, and then after that, there's you, there's no more, there's not as much of a need for baby for the baby steps, um, or well, I'm not sure what that's the word. Well, can. the thing is, is that see when you have a when you have another person there, you get caught up into their energy and their trip. You always mm-hmm. if someone's there, you always have you always have your mask on. I'll give you an example like this. Okay, your your husband boyfriend, he's a a big, strong guy, you know, tough, you know, things like that. But he's taking the mushrooms and he's experiencing the birth of a new baby universe. Mm-hmm. And it's in the form, and it's in the form of, of, of his baby. And he wants to just cry because of the beauty of this, this thing that's happening in front of him. But you're there with him and he's reflect, you know, he's looking at the new baby universe being born and he wants to cry, but he's holding those tears back because he doesn't want to cry in front of his girlfriend because, you know, what would she think of me? And it, and it's just the, the reflection back to what would she think of me. He may still cry, but he's caught up in your, in your energy, in your trip, because he's reflecting on that. Whereas if you weren't there, he could just let it all hang out and just cry and boo-hoo. But since someone's there you still have that persona and that mask, you know. Mm. So you don't want to sit there. Now, at the high dose, at the high dose, it wouldn't make no difference if nobody was there or not because you ain't going to be where that person is anyway, so it wouldn't make any difference. <laughs> but you've already, okay. you've, already shared the, you've already shared the sitter 
<laughs> down back down the line a long time ago, you know. Okay. And that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that you know if you have a partner that you all can't go on excursions together. In other words, I know we do. Um, <laughs> hypnosis. In other words, the becoming of one yeah. flesh, the true marriage, where you all both take fifteen grams, and then y'all tripping together in each other's head, not even talking, but using telepathy and flying as one unit, one body through the universe, experiencing different things, going to different planets, seeing different uh, uh, areas of, of uh, explanation of the universe and knowledge, going to the uh, the library planets or the planets of the, the living instruments or the planets of war or wherever you're going. You're going to different places, but you're going as one being connected together, uh, cell to cell, uh, just floating through the microverse. Okay. I want to go float through yeah. the microverse. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. For All right. That. Um, you take care. I really appreciate Safe you tripping. and your knowledge. Peace. <laughs> Safe tripping. Thank you for calling in, Amina. That was a good one right there. Um, man, I got another question, but I'm, I, I ain't going to be greedy. I got two more callers in. If we can squeeze them in, I got a good one. Okay. Caller from the 347. Three four well, that's seven. All, that's all that. Yeah, what you gonna say, Baba? That's all that was. No, I said that's where that uh, uh, true tantric sex come in when you both both take twenty five grams and then merge. Oh, but you go, go ahead and oh, go man. ahead and let the person on. <laughs> let the person on. Then you want to go open up Pandora's box. It's okay. We're going to get back to that. I'm going to put a pen in that because you said I won't even go in there. But that's all right. I, I'm, I'm coming back to that. Caller from the 347-435. Uh, your microphone is wide open. Can I get the name and where you're calling from, please? How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, uh, I would rather just go by my, uh, my higher name. I would rather just go by Pharaoh Musa because I have uh, some strong questions. Um, I'm a younger guy. Um in my twenties, uh, I just became aware not too long ago. Uh, somebody that I met in a spiritual center made me aware of. Uh, it's my first time on this show, and it's my first time hearing this brother speak. Uh, he made me aware of the person. He actually gave me his Facebook, and like probably a few days later, I see him post this. I'm following him on Facebook. It's like, oh, why not hear it out? I've been on this uh, for about the two hours. I think it's like going on three hours now that you guys are speaking, and it's like some really interesting information. Uh, so, you know, my questions, uh, I, I, I don't, I've never done um, shrooms before. I had I heard of good stories and heard of bad ones. Um, I actually mainly just smoke weed. Now, the thing with me and weed, I'm really sensitive to weed, so like I can like, uh, only smoke like uh, I'm not good with measurements, but like I can only smoke like just like I'll roll up like a like a really slim joint and like hit like three or four or five times and I'm good for like an hour. Like that's how. But I have a lot of sensitivity. I'm a very hello. Yeah, I'm here. I'm listening. Uh, there's like a beep. Maybe sorry, but I'm I'm a very uh sensitive person. Like so, I'm very creative and all that. So I guess that's just that that element of my spirit like i'm one of those people that get high quick i don't really get drunk quick but i get high quick like i can handle alcohol or like but weed i don't smoke a lot of it so uh but i'm I'm very much interested in uh 
in uh you know ex- expanding and i actually was dealing with a lot of issues both spiritually and mentally uh um in my life and then once i became spiritual uh so uh, like the weed actually helped me a lot heal so my question is now uh me having a little bit more conscious and more awareness like coming into mushrooms how would you compare mushrooms to weed marijuana like i usually uh smoke sour that's what they got over here like i smoke a lot of sour diesel and it has a lot of strong sativa, so it can be a lot of head high. Sometimes I even if I smoke too much, I get a headache. I try not to smoke too much and drink a lot of water. But how would you compare, you know, marijuana to shrooms? Mm. Well, I mean, you know, um, different people, uh, different strokes, different folks. But um, we, uh, we is not. I wouldn't consider it really an entheogen. In other words, it's not mushrooms don't make you high. Mushrooms mm-hmm. take you to uh, other levels and dimensions of the multiverse. And I know some people that say that you know, well, weed takes me there. But I, you know, I could probably compare it to you know a race between you know in the high levels of mushrooms, you know, a race between a donkey and a Tesla. 450 or whatever Something like that Okay so you would Suggest that uh, Marijuana is like uh, Not really compared comparable In terms of the spiritual aspect It's, it's, di- it's, it's, it's different uh, And I'm going to get 100,000 um, Instagram This and that for saying that But it's different You know nothing wrong with uh, uh, You know I'm not having a sports car. You can have a, a a Volkswagen bus, you know, but when you're talking actual access to the hyperdimensional realms, uh, you know, uh, it's not the same thing. You know, I've had a, I had a very interesting experience myself, you know, on uh, some cannabis oil, you know, I got some cannabis oil yeah. from a friend, uh, Lady, she, said, strong. <laughs> she said, now this is this is really strong. Just take a quarter of a teaspoon of this stuff because it's really strong, you know. And I'm saying, well, I'm the mushroom man. I do mushrooms. I go through the multiverse and stuff like that. So I put it, you know, because I was trying to take it for pain in my wrist because I hurt my wrist. Mm-hmm. And so... I put it away for a couple of weeks. I forgot about it. My wrist was hurting. I said, oh, yeah, I got that cannabis oil thing, and I just swigged it, you know. Wow. And I said, you know, okay, well. And then I went on with my day and left. And throughout the day, I forgot I had taken this cannabis oil. And I'm riding back home, and I'm going down the freeway, you know, it's like four hours later because it took a while for it to kick in. And it's like four hours later, and I'm riding down the freeway. I'm doing like 20 miles an hour. I'm like, why are these people driving so fast? You know, these cars look like they're moving 200 miles an hour. And I'm riding down the freeway, and I'm doing like 20 miles an hour, and I don't know I'm doing 20 miles an hour. It took me like, you know, it was like 15 minutes to get home. It took me like 40 minutes to get home because this kind of oil that kicked in in the middle of this thing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not knowing why. I, I get back and look at the bottle. I say, I, done, I know what it is. I drunk that dog on cannabis oil. So it could be like that. But mushrooms is a whole yeah. order of magnitude 
magnitude different than uh, the, you know, the cannabis. Yeah, it's definitely seen as mushrooms is more like spiritual and weed is more the most like body and mental, you know. We can be spiritual. We can be spiritual also, but it's just different. It's an experience. You have to experience to know the difference between the two. And, you know, I'm sure at some point as you do your research and you move through these uh, areas that you'll get your chance to understand and see the difference between uh, those two things. You know, okay. Because well, even between, even between, uh, what they call true entheogens, there's a lot of there's a lot of difference, you know, salvia divinorum, you know, yeah, iboka or ibogaine, you know, um, you know the different cactuses, you know, uh, mescaline inside of the cactuses, you know, so all of these different things take you different jimson weed, you know, datura. Uh, okay. You know, all these things are different, and they'll take you to different places, different ways. I see. Now, I have uh, two more questions. Uh, this next question is, I'm a very honest person. This next question is pretty direct, and it's just out of curiosity, me being, like, a younger guy, like, you know, having a strong heart and seeing what's going on, being aware more than people around my age. So I came to this conclusion that, uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody knows this in the back of their mind, maybe don't bring it up, but it seems that, if someone was to master mushrooms, or let alone just master astral projection, um, that someone can actually utilize it to, you know, go about their will. Now, my idea is that, you know, even connecting to what you were talking about, how we live in a very algorithm, uh, you know, live in a system, and it's owned and run by who it's owned and run by, my idea is that despite that, we are in a very strong paradigmistic shift phase, and it's both physical and men- mental. Like, you know, you still exist through your perspective, yet you kind of, it just seems like we're very subjectified. Now, I'm aware of a lot of things about how in the higher ups of this so-called pyramid that houses this, this like, lower vib- vibratory fractal, you got people that's, like, uh, you know, into some sick shit. So, like, you know... I always like the idea of me just being so smart and aware of the things I'm capable of doing, despite where I'm, where I'm at now and how old I am. It's like my my mind kind of triggered a warrior in me. And I wonder, like, you know, we don't really need those people to preserve even some of the levels of things that we even indulge in. So it's like their existence is really they're just feeding off of us. And I'm aware of how, like, how it's starting to get, bad where a lot of the human trafficking is related to a lot of these ideas. Forget about organs. A lot of black kids getting their organs taken from them. There's a lot of, like, people up and higher that would use their, uh, that, like, like to um, eat children, you know, like, drink their blood and keep them in dungeons and, like, uh, all these things that I know. And then once I heard about it, me being a kid, having a heart that I always had, it really bothers me. And they will hide in plain sight um, some of them, uh, like, they, they they just try their best to mirror these uh, very evil entities, extraterrestrial entities. They might even have a different form. And a lot of people you talk to you about this is, like, the most bizarre shit. They don't know what you're talking about because it's just both are so, uh, it's so, like, different. And it's also, it's unbelievable. Like, some of the stuff that you hear these politicians and uh, the pedophilia you know, all these Pharaoh, can you, 
Pharaoh, can yeah. you get to the question, please? No problem. Uh, just like yeah, a lot of these things that, you know, is going on, my question is, like, if, you know, you being a martial artist one and you being, uh, you know, into, you know, the mushrooms, is there a way that you can actually directly approach this and actually uh, utilize that higher form of yourself along with the martial arts to actually, you know, harm the, uh, you know, like, use it for, like, a weapon purpose? Hello? I mean, I mean that's one of the utilizations of, of MPSN is in warfare because that's part of the martial aspect of it. And I know folks think it's just, uh, you know, uh, airy, you know, type of, you know, etheric type of, you know, utilization of these things. But there's a warrior aspect to it also. And it's really about um, dealing with the powers and principalities and all that kind of stuff in high places and their their magic that they're utilizing. That's really what it's about, directing, being directed towards and changing those things so these things don't happen on the, the, the physical level. And yes, so yes, that's yeah, uh, that's, that's all mean. part of that's all part of it. Yep. So if I honestly was curious to learn this, like what would be my first step coming straight from you? Well, it's to do your research. Um, easy to contact on Facebook and on the internet. You can Google my name and you'll get to me me eventually. Yeah, I got you on Facebook. And as I, I said, follow you. do you do you yeah, do you do your research and uh as I told the last caller, get in the fight. Say that last one, I'm sorry. I said, as I told the last caller, uh, get in the fight. You know, <laughs> yeah, my, that's my exactly last Instagram post. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Now, this is, I just want to quickly run through this now. What, what you were saying about the algorithm, how we exist in the algorithm, and like, you know, I'm actually starting to understand a lot of those things, and that makes sense. My perspective, though, with that is like, look, when we, you know, exist and we kind of keep moving forward and existing and expanding, when it come to a part that we kind of connect back to a, like a God from like, I, like I kind of agree with you, but I had to kind of like approach with some of the things I became aware of. But I think that it's not just good to just look at it like that. Like, even though it could be that it's almost like we can consciously connect to that concept of the universe of just existing through a program or existing just through a simulation or just a game rather than something like, you know, divine It's almost like I would insinuate that maybe connecting to a, our nature like self or comedic like self, you can connect back to our God form. So within, even in the simulation, we reflect that spirit. So would you agree that if you like reflect a spirit that is represented in maybe an ancient way and actually eventually through that reflection, we eventually lead back after we transition or reincarnate or whatever to the actual deity in its seat. So instead of it just being an algorithm, it can also be like from the God, from the mindset, or a thought from an actual God, or a dream from an actual God, or nature deity on the tear. That's my perspective, despite whatever it can also be. Um, so, I mean, would you agree that you, would you agree on that? Or do you really believe like it's more of like, like the algorithm of society, like, you know, like, like computers, you said, like we're kind of part of a computer. Uh, I, I uh, well, that. it's the, the well. I mean, 
it's as I said, it's this is a simulation within a simulation. That doesn't mean that there aren't access access points outside of simulation. It's about being able to uh hack your way out of the simulation back in uh back into mm-hmm. your uh original outside self, in other words, self outside of the simulation. But most people don't understand that um <laughs> there's no outside of the simulation for them because they're just programs, sentient programs inside of the simulation. There are those who came into the program to be able to access it as an access point to counter the artificial intelligence that hit itself in this universe by creating this universe and creating the simulation because it was hiding from older AIs creating havoc on the other side of the simulation, and so, in other words, on the outside of the simulation. So he came in to catch this uh, little snake and snap it before it turns into a big snake. And then there are those folks who are just uh, sentient programs in the simulation, and when the simulation stops, they cease to exist. And then there are those in the simulation, and when the simulation stops, they revert back to their uh to their uh, what you what you would call a true self. So that's how um, I've seen it as a traveler in those realms uh, and the realm I'm in right now. Have a good evening. All right. Thank you for that answer. Thank you for calling in, Pharaoh. Uh, next caller from the two four eight four four five. Your microphone is wide open. Can I get you to give me your name and where you're calling from, please? Good evening, gentlemen. This is Tammy from Detroit. Evening. Uh, it's been a, a, a peace. It's been a pleasure to listen to both of you. I love all of the questions. I almost feel like everything has has been answered practically. I'd like to respond to the previous caller by saying, in my experience, the difference between marijuana and mushrooms is um, marijuana tends to be to me, a mood enhancer, and the mushrooms, for me so far, um, allow me to explore myself spiritually and creatively. Um, Just this previous fall, I started the 579. I did it, you know, like, like never before. I had experimented with, you know, three grams all the way back to, like, maybe my early adulthood. I, I just did it for recreational purposes. Like I would go to a dead show, and <laughs> and my boyfriend was doing it, so we would do it and just hang out. <clears throat> so now, all these years later, I, I had no idea of the, the possibilities. And so now I find myself wanting to peel the layers, if you will, and get more acclimated to the dosages. I was supposed to do an eight recently, but my schedule hasn't, I haven't been able to do that. I just would like to say one thing before I ask a question in that. I noticed that when I did the five, because I'm an artist, I do paintings, Mm -hmm. um, photography, graphics, sculpture. um, I work with special ed children. I, you name it. Like I'm a very open-minded person. Um, I did them. I did them in a dark room, and for me, because I believe I have acute hearing, um, the trip off the five grams, what it did for me, um, it was the most special thing I ever experienced. Um, 
my my auditory, you know, how my hearing. It's like I could hear things from blocks away. You know, mm-hmm. I was in this room and it was dark, but I could hear. And as I was listening, right right around the time I was about to trip, I heard a dog bark, and then I all of a sudden the barking turned to music. And I had never, <laughs> I never experienced anything like that. And um, I think going into it, I had a lot of anxiety about the number five. I'm like, oh, my God, what, am I going to be jumping out of windows? What am I going to do on a five? And I found it to be quite tolerable. So it was recommended that I do eight next time. That's why I jumped from seven to, and I'm, the next time I'm doing eight. So my question is about intention. Um, when I did a light, lighter dose a couple years ago, I intended to let something off my heart. And I, I, I did the shrooms, and I felt like I had reached some of them some inner resolve with it after that point. When I did the five, I think I had so much anxiety. I'm just wondering why I could take the five grams so easily. And maybe I was so nervous that I, I guess that's the first question. Is it possible for jitters or anxiety to lower, lower the expectation? Like, um, can your mood going in, make the trip less, um, I don't want to say spectacular, but can it, like, numb the experience, anxiety? Well, one of the hallmarks of uh, psychedelics uh, popularized by Timothy Leary, I don't think he actually invented it, but um, it's called set and setting. Um, Mm -hmm. Your your set is this... this, uh, the, the the setting is what you're what you're in, you know, where you're at. You know. Okay. Are you in a, a French graveyard sitting on a you know, uh sitting on a uh you know <laughs> a gravestone? Right. Um oh excuse me, your mindset set. Set is your your mindset, you know, what you're thinking okay. about. That mm-hmm. you know, that your 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 dog just died or you know, is your mother in the hospital or all these different type of things. That's your mindset. How you go in mentally, you know. Right. If you, have a, if you have high anxiety, those all those things affect your uh, the trip, and okay. the set is where you're at. You know. You know. Gotcha. If you're in the graveyard, if you're in the graveyard, that set will, you know, uh, let's reverse whichever the. The, the the setting that you're in, excuse me, the setting that you're in is going to affect your trip, and the set, your mindset is going to affect your trip. So if the setting you're in the graveyard, expect to see ghosts coming out the graveyard, out the graves, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah. Because you, but if you're in, you know, if you're in your bed in the dark, the mushroom will generate. But if you're in uh, a forest and the trees are there, you know, you're going to, that's going to affect your trip. All these things, the different, the setting, which is where you're at, it's going to affect your trip. And the set, which is your mindset, will uh, be affect, will have an effect upon your trip also. So you don't want to be, you know, uh, you don't want to be where your your spouse just died and then take a bunch of mushrooms because that's oh, just going to set up. 
an anxiety, you know, it's going to set up a bad, a bad trip, you know. Not that I believe in bad trip, but you're going to have some difficulty because that's going to be on your mind. You want to try to be clear. You want to try to be light as possible, you know, not that you can't go in with things on your mind that you're trying to go through to understand, but right. you don't want to, you don't want to have a bad, a bad mindset and you don't want to be in the setting that is going to pull at your trip because, like I said, it can it can lead you into uh, places many times you may not want to go. You still have to stand it, but you want to set yourself up in the best situation as you can when you're going out there. So your set, which is your mindset, you want to have a good mindset, and your setting where you are and the things that are there, you want to uh, you want to have that as clear as possible also. You know, you don't want to go in the skull room or something like that in the basement in the basement of the museum or something like that. You know, about a friend of mine, he friend of mine he took a bunch of acid and he was in uh a French he was stuck in the French graveyard and stuff was coming up all out the ground and, you know, thriller like and stuff like that. So that's what you want to do. You want to have a uh a good mindset and you want to be in a good setting. Okay. Okay. All right. You know what? I drew a blank for my second question, but I feel like everything that is everything that has been said tonight has has definitely spoke to me in a way that I definitely definitely want to challenge myself and get past that nine because I feel like, especially on a creative level, that this is going to take me places that. I think I've been too reserved in my human space to go. Um, well, and that's, with what that, the, that's what it's that's what it's for. And, and with that said, thank you so much, Coach, for thank you. having such a wonderful show, and thank you, Baba, for being extremely informative. Thank Keep you. Tripping alive. Have a good evening. <laughs> <laughs> good night. Night. Everybody still there? Uh, I'm still. Okay. Oh, okay. I had it on mute, my father. I just want to say big shout out to Candy for that alley oop that she tossed about like the setting, you know. And um, I think that you were also talking about earlier um, the different time aspects. And so me, like my last trip was my I call it my third official trip because I had a dud trip that mm-hmm. I just don't count. Ain't nothing happened. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where he got those from, you know what I mean, or whatever, but it did not go down. <laughs> so, but we decided to go on full moon was just entering into cancer. So it was a full moon in cancer. Uh, sun was in Capricorn. So there was this big polarity of energy. We just came in and, I mean, it was like totally amazing. And then the next day when I woke up, and you know, and just came out my slumber. I went on Instagram, and that was the exact same day that you had posted the bowl. And I was like, "Look at him! He was right there with me last night." That's how I mean. That's how I. And then I called Firewater and started talking to him. And then we started talking about the grid. And I was just like, "Man, what you know? What's the chances of him, you know, having that bowl saying, come on and get in the fight?'" And at that time, that was my highest dosage, you know, on the full moon. And um, 
I'm definitely thinking about my cycles right now because I've still been getting downloads, and that was from the 23rd. So it's like nine days in, and I'm still having, like, different effects in my dreams and interpretations of things that I saw and things like that. So um, I don't think I reached a singularity. I'm glad that you, like, pointed that out. But I also don't think it's a coincidence that I woke up to you serving a popcorn bowl full of, you know, mushrooms, however many grams that was in there. Uh, we got one more caller. Caller from the seventh, and we're gonna go back to okay. that tantra too, because the sister, the sister already sent me the text and was like, "Don't let him get away." She was like, "Wait, wait, wait, what?" Um, you know, somebody was gonna ask him about sex. Bob. You, you, I mean, you already knew that. Uh, we're from the seven seven zero eight nine six. Your microphone is wide open. Can I get your name and where you calling from, please? This is Evina Johnson calling from Atlanta, Georgia. How everybody doing? Peace. I want to thank you, Baba. This is the first time I've uh, heard you speak. I came on late because I was in a different class. And I want to thank Coach Kair for uh, bringing this topic. I was actually quite shocked, but everything was in alignment. I've been studying uh, a little bit now for the last few months, I don't know, several months on psychedelics and mushrooms and ayahuasca and things of that nature, how it helps um, in re, re, I want to say rejuvenate or or help reprogram or re-centralize, as you state, um, mental conditions and and other physical, uh, like mental or bodily conditions um, and, and to be able to lure outside of this realm and this world. Um, My question is really simple. How do I get it and how much? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, she came with a straight line. I'll come straight back. Yeah, I'll come straight back. Um, Yeah. You have, again, uh, this is Schedule 1, which means it's in the same schedule as heroin or cocaine or uh, one of those different drugs. So it's illegal. So to uh, just on the open airway say, oh, you can get it from my house for, you know, $75 or whatever, (laughs) it's not the best thing thing to say or do. Um, but there's ways that it can be weaved around that you can ultimately get to your goal. Um, I'm on I'm on Facebook, or you can give it to just give it to brother after the you know after the the program's over, and um, you know you can work your, you can work your way to it. You know it's it's I not difficult. I'm you can work your way I'm to it. Vocal. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean no disrespect. I'm just kind of. No, no, it's no, no, it's not a, no, no, it's not a, no, it's not a, no, it's not a problem, you know. Uh, the thing is, is that I'm uh, really just, I'm out here, and, you know, um, you know, one time I was in Australia, they hemmed me up, Interpol, the Australian secret police, and uh, uh, <laughs> different factions and things like that, because, I'm very I'm very vocal in this uh arena. 
and uh, because it's something that we need. Uh, that's something that would be nice for us to do for uh, our spiritual development. No, this is a, a battle of epic proportions that spans uh, time older than this universe in a uh, extra-dimensional um, battle that's been going on for billions and billions of years. And we're prominent in dealing with this. Now, as I said before, we have beautiful places. We have wonderful things that we experience and do. And then there's the other side. There's both sides of this thing. And as high as it go, it's still there. So the the thing is, is that, as I said, get with brother after the, you know, after the, the hang up and things like that. And we'll weave you around into what you need to do to get to the place that you want to get to. Over the river, I can Thank you. And you can and you can and you can you can get me on face, Facebook and Instagram. Just put my name in because I don't use no uh, alias name and like that. Uh, Kalindi E E um, or Baba Kalindi or Hati Kalindi. You you get to me eventually. Or check your Facebook inbox that I just sent you, and you all good. Appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you calling, and I appreciate you, brother, for the information. Y'all have a great have day. A good evening. You too. Have a Thank good evening, sis. All right, all right, all right. We got uh, six minutes before this thing cuts us off automatically. Bible, please let okay. people know how they can get in contact with you if you want them to. I know you just said you got a Facebook inbox. Y'all, he don't have a lot of followers on Instagram. Go over there and follow him. On Instagram, K I L I N D I. Is that right? Yep. Kalindi. Um, Kalindi E. You can get me on Instagram. Um, it's harder to get me on Facebook, but you can weave your way around through it. Um, Kalindi E. You can Google me and you can get to me also. My email is Kalindi at hotmail.com. That's K I L I N D I at hotmail.com. Uh, so you can get to me. Either of those ways, you know. Um, and I, I thank everybody for uh, coming on the show and the questions. And uh, like you said, this is only part one. We're going to do part two and part three, and we can go deeper. Um, we can go into the, the older systems, you know, before the younger Dryas, um, and, you know, be able to talk about that. Uh, the reason why uh, things are, as far as the world is concerned, what cataclysms happen, because uh, at the Temple of Edfu in Egypt, the Edfu building text talks about the the actual, you know, uh, flood flooding of the earth and things like that, why Africa in Central and East Africa wasn't affect, affected as much. It was affected in climate. Um, West Africa wasn't affected as much as far as the uh, impact of the destruction that happened at that time, but you know the the waves you know <laughs> coming across uh, didn't help. So we'll be talking about the younger Dryas. Uh, we'll be talking about prior to 12,800 BCE, what was going on in the last in the Pleistocene, uh, the last ice age, 
the mini ice age that happened between 1300 and 1850. The reason why we Bob, have why the temperate climate that we have right now, huh? Bob, I mean, I mean to cut you off, but why are you skipping around that sister's question about the tantra and the sex? And I told you at the beginning of the show. My audience. I didn't forget about. I didn't forget it. That's a whole different. I mean, that's, that's a whole, whole other show. another hour. Hour getting into that. I'll, I'll explore it in the <laughs> second. The <laughs> second one, but the but the tantra. But I said two true. But I said the two tr- uh, true tantra. You know, was utilized with the entheogens because you could merge into one flesh. You know. Mm. And you can go beyond that because you can you can merge the you can merge the astral bodies. You know. In your opinion, in your opinion, now this is just opinion based right here. Are Jay Z and mm-hmm. Beyonce? Is it a possibility? Say, see how I mean, real vague. Is it a possibility say, say that again they Jay Z and Beyonce? You break it Jay-Z up. Jay Z and Beyonce. Jay Z and Beyonce. Is it a possibility that they could be because they're moving real in sync? They're experiencing a whole lot of success. Their relationships look very tantric in nature. Do you think, in your opinion, they could be applying some of these ethereogens uh, uh, in their relationships to become one flesh? Because they're looking real synchronistic right now. Well, it's a it's a different synchronicity than uh, just being a, a couple. We see what is projected. Because uh, Jay Z and Beyonce are programs inside of the simulation that are expressed to the public or the public domain. That's a, wow. that's a program for people to aspire <laughs> to, to look at, to be in. You know, it's all inside of the simulation to. Um, you know how people relate to one another and how they expend their energy in worrying about Beyonce, what she's wearing today, is she getting a new album, and Jay Z is successful and stuff like that. That's all. That's all programs. That folks ain't even real. That's for the consumption of. That's for the consumption of folks that don't know and don't understand. You know, it's like social media. Those are those are constructs. We're gonna let we're gonna sure, let Bob go to, go, we're gonna let him go to Benny and then we're gonna let we you go deeper. Hey, you just we can go deeper. Head. We can go deeper into that in the in part two. <laughs> thanks a lot for thanks a lot for you know. But once you know, you'll start seeing. That's why they said you know, Jay Z's eyes start shifting. They start reptilian and all different kind of stuff because all of those people are programs in the matrix, you know, like the